So, welcome everyone to episode 25 of the Hop Edition. I've got fireworks going off in the background, uh, just to kick off this episode. And tonight we are going to be chatting about the very exciting, but often seen as highly essential, subject of cleaning and sanitation. And tonight I have my compadres Chris and Tricky uh, to join me on this wild adventure. Uh, but sadly, no Andy tonight. He's Monda Bevies somewhere else. Germany but, uh, and Poland, was it? I somewhere. I think he might be catching up with some some friends abroad. Who knows? Um, but he will be back for the next episode, no doubt. So, guys, what are we drinking? Chris, what are you drinking? Uh, I am drinking a Beaver Ray uh, from John Denton, Johnny Apples himself. Still got a couple of mouthfuls left of this. Um, I decided when I tried to put some beers into my sort of can fridge that my can and bottle fridge, which stores beer mails and various commercial beers, was, let's say, far too full. And uh, I decided that I I needed to empty it. So I've spent the last week and a half just basically smashing beers from that. And when I dropped his handful off, JD handed me three bottles. um, One more of which I'll be having after this one. So you'll get to see that one as well. Not going to spoil the surprise just yet. You know, a bit of a cock tease me. And um, yeah, this is this is really, really nice. I was talking to Owen about it before we started recording, so if, you, if you're if you on the live stream, you'll have heard this, but it's really nice. It's a bit of fruitiness, but you can definitely taste the golden promise in this. Just like a tinge of sweetness in it as well. Uh, very nice beer. It's, um, yeah, very, very nice beer, to be perfectly honest. Just uh, smashable, four point whatever it was. Hang on. 4.7% ABV, there we go. For those of you who are who are, who are looking out, it's uh, Beaver Ray, four point seven percent, and it's got Golden Promise, Caramel, Caragold, which is where the sweetness is coming from. Columbus, Amarillo, Bravo, Mosaic, Citro, Citra, and Calypso, uh, with USO five at forty IBUs with a boogoo of point seven six. So yes, listed the listed the boogoo. He listed That's the boogoo. A, he also listed when he brewed it. Uh information there when he bottled it as well oh mate wow. this, this is anally retentive at a whole new level <laughs> to be fair this is some this is some detailed labeling this this label is infinitely better than my labeling because i don't put them on so that's a um that's a gamma ray clone recipe recipe isn't it that he's, he's done here. yeah it is yeah yeah it's i nice. suspect i suspect it's probably clive cutter's um recipe isn't it that would Clive, that would seem about right to me. Yeah, yeah. I think Clive's got one on the uh, Brew Farmer Library. I actually had that beer last night, um, and really enjoyed it. It was good, good brew, very pleasant. Oh, there's <laughs> Mister Burton himself, Stevie B, giving it large. <laughs> there he is. What's he drinking? That's the question. That is the question. Uh, something. What's he drinking? Brown and fizzy. So it could be anything. Well, I reckon that might be his, his Vienna Lager. It's possible. I reckon it might be. So let's let us know in the chat. Let us know. Tricky, Tricky what, are you, what drinking? are you drinking? Oh, oh you beat me to it. Sorry, mate. I dived in on you. I'll synchronized go, interrogation go back, there back on the beer front. 
This is, Fuck I can't remember are. whether I've actually drunk this on the podcast before. I probably have, but this is the um, Not So Little Vienna from the live brew day before last or whenever it was, quite a while ago now. Um, I did my one a little bit more traditional uh, in terms of the hopping. I didn't put loads of Nelson in it and didn't bother dry hopping it. Uh, and it's quite a nice, fairly classic kind of Vienna lager, I think. Not that I really know what a classic Vienna lager tastes like, because where do you get Vienna lagers from commercially? I don't really know any that you can buy, to be honest. Vienna. Well, probably if you go to Vienna, that would be a good starting point, yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm just throwing that one out there as an idea. I reckon there might be a few in Vienna. <laughs> if you were going to go to one out. place to try and find a Vienna lager. <laughs> we'll, have a, we'll hazard a guess. We'll hazard a guess. Maybe the Hop Edition, you know, 2022. Yeah. Hop edition crew will take a little Europe that trip. That could be part of the uh, part of the road trip, yeah. So anyway, yeah, it's. Um, I think it has to. Happen. I think Vienna Lager is probably in the sort of ballpark for a, a very popular beer style that Chris likes to talk about. I'm not going to name because it might be part of a little game some people are playing. Um, no, online. the IPL wasn't on. Oh, that. not the IPL. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure that's what tricky. Was I think I think it might be alluding at. to a slightly different style there. But um, yeah. you see yeah. what I did. But there. anyway, um, very uh, malt forward, kind of bready. Um, I use some dark Munich in this, which is um, a malt that I'm definitely going to be revisiting because I think it's really good. I used it in the uh, the Dunkel Weiss that I did recently as well. Uh, you get you Dunkel get Fester. lots of. Um, really rich kind of toasty bready um a very slight sort of caramelly type note off of it uh almost like a light crystal um and it's really good and yeah and this beer come out nice cleared up quite well nice color to it yeah vienna lagers me likey so yeah that's my beer luke stevens picture has got his millington bingo card on there excellent <laughs> I don't know. I can't. I can't see any. I can't see that he's ticked any off to be fair. Um, so during the pre the pre uh, podcast party that Chris and I was holding, were holding before you joined Tricky. I think we nailed about six really? of them straight off the probably bat. Probably in about the first four. Does that count seconds. if they're not in the actual podcast though? Or you well, know, that's no, what we were doing. Just, just to let you know, Simon Seaton's put a post up as well, and I know for a fact that number, that's number two on his tap list, so that's his 5% Pilsner. So, love you, Simon. Nice. Right, what am I drinking? So I am drinking the style of beer that Chris may not mention, <laughs> The uh, and I am going to pronounce this shall correctly be named. for possibly the first time on the Hop Edition. It's, it's pronounced Mertzen. <laughs> Mertzen. Um, so this is my pseudo Mertzen. Um, it's actually fermented out with Ube or Uber or however you want to pronounce that. You can, tick, you can take that one off, nuts. Luke. Let me grab my nuts. <laughs> How do you pronounce it, Chris? Uber? How do I pronounce it? Dave. Dave, I've never been very good at pronunciations, me. <laughs> so uh, this is this is Chris's recipe uh, for his medicine. Is that and, a type uh, of Norwegian yeast? Sorry, the, the Uber. 
Yeah, what's it what's is, that commonly it's, known as? It's a it's a quike. quike. Yeah. It's a quike. Oh, is it quike? Keeping your thumb on that. Quike. Quike. Or is it quike? I thought it was quake. <laughs> is it quick? <laughs> you know, like the game. Quickie. Quickies. Are you sure it's Are you sure it's not pronounced Dave? Oh, Dave. Definitely Dave. Yeah, it's pretty pleasant. It's not really cleared up, which I was a bit disappointed to see because I've heard that um, Uber, I'm just going to call it Uber, um, was supposed to clear up really well, and it's not, to be honest. Give it time, it does. How how long Uh, has it been? Yeah, it's been lagering for probably like three, about three weeks, maybe. Okay, yeah. Yeah, a while. Um, Holy shit, look at John Denton's drink. He's drinking a starter. <laughs> Outstanding work, JD. <laughs> wow, you must be thirsty. Um, yeah, and it's like, it's malty, it's sweet on the nose. It's almost got like this kind of fruitiness to it. It has got a fruitiness to it. So I used pearl hops and... Halital Herzbrucker. Um but yeah, it's pretty pleasant. It's nice. Sweet. Has it got a nice sweetness on it? Is what I meant to say. Mm. Sorry. Yeah, it has. There's nice sweetness to it. I think I think Vienna malt I haven't used a great deal before. Certainly not as a base malt. I'd like to do a little bit that more. That should of that. have been on the bingo card. Vienna malt. Vienna malt. <laughs> it sure. was. It is. It is on the bingo is card. And it is, yeah. Chris I, mentions Vienna Malt. It's, it was on the bingo card. Are you card. sure? I didn't was spot it? that one earlier. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty I, sure. I think I... What did I... What did I got the floor-malted Vienna Malt from Warminster, I think. Oh, it is a nice one, that. Or is it Warminster? <laughs> no, I think it's Warminster. I think you're all right. Fine. Um, and I did, I had a little munch on it at, at Chris's recommendation and it did taste absolutely fantastic. Um, and if a grain, I think tastes fantastic when you eat it, it's got to taste great in a beer, isn't it? That's why nobody likes black patent malt. Don't try that with hop pellets yeah. though. <coughs> the theory doesn't hold up with hops. But make sure that your kids try it with hop pellets. <laughs> I can't say I've ever eating a hot pot. No, I think I saw Matthew Callaby do one on a uh, live brew day and I thought I didn't need to try it after seeing his reaction. <laughs> Brett Harmon's on there. His, I think his face <laughs> turned inside out, pretty much. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah, thanks for taking one for the team there, yeah, That's all in the interest of science, yeah. really, isn't it? So We do like it science. Is. You heard it here first, guys. Don't eat hot pellets. Yeah. They don't do fantastic things on the way out either. They're a bit like, you know, Carolina Reaper chilies. <laughs> they don't do fantastic things on the way out. <laughs> I'm not sure if they do fantastic things on, on the, the way, way in. in. No, they don't. Or or on the way through. Or on the way out. In fact, they just avoid them, to be perfectly yeah. honest. Yeah. That's, that's, that's strong advice. Yeah. So, um, right. How are we going to kick this off then? Cleaning and sanitation, guys. Why is it important? Let's <coughs> um, go straight in with well, the dead badgers, or what? Well, do... I think we should yeah. really, because you don't want to end up with a fermenter that looks like it's got a dead badger <laughs> in it, dear. Um, check out Homebrew UK for that one. Um, they give us so much. There's, there's multiple gold posts which explain UK. why sanitation is important on that um, particular forum. Yeah, every one but, of them. Yeah, but isn't it? Isn't the answer always just 
take the beer from the bottom, it'll be Siphon fine. underneath yes. it, mate. It'll be all right. It'll be fine. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just uh, taste it. If, it. if it tastes all right, I'd still Just get that it. dip chewed underneath yeah. the yeah. Um, skin and... Uh... Just <laughs> scrape it off, mate. <laughs> scrape the badger out. Uh, just, give it a yeah, sniff, give it a taste. Part, if it's part the fur, yeah. like Moses, and then get your, <laughs> get your dip tube underneath. You'd be golden, just sure, sweet as a nut, I'm mate. not sure Moses parted any fur. Um, <laughs> Definitely not. I'm, I'm fairly sure that, you know, John Holmes I, I said, I said like, fur, like you know, it was a... Yeah, never mind. <laughs> Simon Seaton says, if it's part green, it's good. <laughs> nah, if it's green, it's off, mate. Don't eat it. That's why nobody eats green beans. Um... Yeah, so basically you want to avoid infections, you want to avoid um, ruining a batch of beer, to be perfectly honest. It's one of them things, what is Owen doing? He's hiding under his desk. I was um, just taking my shoes off. Oh, okay, fair play. Um, you just you want to avoid infections, you want to avoid uh, wild yeast, you want to avoid bacteria. Uh, in this day and age, you probably want to avoid, oh, hello, there's an elf on the floor. You want you want to what avoid that doing all in your these shoe, nasty I mean? things. <laughs> you want to avoid all these nasty things that are going to basically ruin your beer, um, and obviously cleaning. Well, you don't want your last brew's crap to be the mash for your current brew, along with an indigenous tribe that's grown in your mash <laughs> ton at the same time and has developed its own language. A new um, life, a new life form. Would would that be considered like murder if you were to pour boiling water onto an indigenous species that had just spontaneously formed in your mash tun? Oh, that's genocide. Probably. I think um, not murder. Genocide. Genocide. Yeah. We go. So that's like you're going to the Hague yeah. for that one. It would be in the millions or billions, wouldn't it? So well, yeah, it is. It's um, a war crime. It's it's just important. It's very very obvious. You want things as clean as you can. So that your inoculation of yeast is the predominant microorganism in there. Because you're never going to get rid of all of them. Uh, and you want those yeast to take off in a nice environment with no endotoxins, which are going to cause retardation of the fermentation process. And you want it to be as good as it can be. It's as simple as that. Retardation? Yeah. Did you just use that word? I used it correctly. Amazing. <clears throat> so that's the uh that's why, that's the, that's why we have you chris <laughs> that's why i'm here that's the the obvious side of things i think i would hope that the majority of people listening to the podcast are well aware of anyway um but there's other you know other reasons obviously for keeping things clean and maintaining equipment specifically um proper cleaning and maintenance and sanitation of everything is going to help basically extend the lifespan of your, your kit as well and with you know the amount of money that um, you know you can potentially spend on equipment for homebrew. Uh, you probably want to try and do that as much as possible. So there's certainly a lot of specific parts of your brewing gear which are going to probably have their lifespan shortened significantly if you're not actually cleaning them up properly. Um, I would be particularly thinking about things like heating elements. Um, if they are getting clagged up with sort of scale um, and, you know, just general crud that will build up and burn onto them, that will uh, essentially lead to your element 
burning out eventually and uh, causing you problems. Also, that's another source of potential off flavors because you're going to get uh, potential scorched um, scorched flavors from the malt kind of sticking onto those things. And if you've got a coarse, yeah. you know, basically dirty or um, you know unclean surface on the element, you're probably increasing the likelihood of scorching taking place because there's more surface area for the uh, the stuff to bind onto when it's heating up. Maybe. Um, no, you're reducing it if you're increasing the surface area. Well, it's um, and it's no fun. This scorching yeah. is no fun. No, sci- scientifically speaking, what Trick is saying is correct because the heat transfer is going to be sporadic. Um, you're going to end up with chunks of um of thermal transfer. the The biggest issue is if you can't transfer the thermal energy through the uh the layer of scale which is on the outside of it fast enough then essentially you can get um potential for overheating of your element and therefore your element will break you can get a thermal shock occurring within the metal and it can just ding and pop open that's that's the major issue but for me um using a water distillation kit at work um which i haven't cleaned for a very long time, and I've used very, very much, uh, you actually end up with a layer of scale, which when you, when the element heats up, it expands, which means that scale will crack and fall off. Um, and as it contracts, it will shrink, and then the scale forms on the element at that point. So what you end up with is basically a pile of shit in the bottom of your kettle, which is essentially scale, which has broken off your element and then just drop to the bottom. And like Tricky says, that's a major source of infection. A major yeah. source of infection. It's like your um it's like your kitchen kettle, right? Yeah. Like often if you haven't sort of rinsed it out for a while, like you give it a shake. There's not much water in there and you can just hear all of the uh Well, I mean when you boil the water that I get out of <laughs> the tap, that's yeah. that happens within it's, uh, it starts to get a bit of a rattle on, doesn't it, when you're in a hard, hard water? Yeah, area. it does a rattly kettle. Um, um, yeah. So what? What talking a bit about infections and stuff? Have you, have you guys ever, ever had infections in your beer? Uh, yes. Uh, not recently, <laughs> but not for a long time. Yeah. Um, Hopefully, some of the recently. stuff that we're talking about on this is maybe the reason why that doesn't seem to happen anymore. But, um. I think in the past, infection-wise, it's it's either been, you know, down to um, perhaps not uh, maintaining a sort of closed fermentation environment uh, as mm. much as I could have done. Certainly now that I'm using, I mean, basically, I've recently just bought a second Firmzilla because I've essentially decided why bother with the other fermenters that I've got when these can do everything that I want and do it better. So um, I'm actually gonna basically get rid of um, the stainless conical that I've got and the other plastic ferments that I've got because for me two firmzillas are going to do the job and they keep a sealed fermentation and basically eliminate that that risk of any contamination getting in if you're doing it with a uh, how much of a hissy fit would Andy be having right now to hear that you're getting rid of stainless <laughs> and buying another firmzilla <laughs> no, oh, oh, no, you, no it's all that? about the shiny chronicle it's just easier. It's just easier um, for me. Have you? What's happened to your um, 
your like your plastic the plastic, plastic boxes, boxes. They're, they're 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 kind of consigned to history i've got, I've got to say <laughs> the scout like yeah. i mean i will I'm, you know like as a cheap solution i will stick by that as as a method um there's no there's no difference in my mind between that and just using a a normal fermentation bucket um same plastic material essentially food safe plastic uh yep. not necessarily a, a properly sort of airtight lid but most fermentation buckets don't actually have a properly airtight lid anyway um no. so yeah you know they they served a purpose for me up to a point but i think once you once you go uh, you know start delving into pressure fermentation and being able to do all the things that come with that probably more so when it comes to transferring and things like that kind of pressure transfers closed transfers all that kind of stuff that's the bit for me that i go okay well i, I, I want to do that on everything i don't want to you know mm. keep keep the beer um isolated from from all sort of external bugs and nasties that might be floating around and i think that's uh you know as long as the um equipment is sanitized and cleaned properly beforehand you you basically can't really go wrong then unless you put a dead badger into you unless you um yeah <laughs> siphon on top of a dead badger <laughs> so um so what are we trying to clean up then like what and what what's the best thing to okay the best way to do it and what's the best Strap thing for in, it? boys there's there's some um there's, <laughs> there's some science Uh-oh. coming here take so, cover <laughs> when you're mashing grains and when you're boiling wort you're essentially boiling a solution of carbohydrates fats and proteins they have different solubility they have different um boiling points they have different cooling cycles they have completely different structures and as such you need a cleaner which can get rid of all three now the reality is you're never going to get rid of all three with one specific type of cleaner which is why things like your powdered brewery wash tend to contain other things other than just i don't know peroxide or sorry percarbonate or uh, caustic or stuff like that, you'll find that generally they're a mix of many different things because caustic soda will pretty much rip through sugars and proteins, but it doesn't really deal with fats. Um, and then if you've got something like um, per- percarbonate, the peroxide will cause the fats to break down. But the best way to get rid of fats is with an acid. Um, but that's not so much of an issue because your mash is acidic. So that'll strip the fats off on the next one. What I tend to do personally is I will loosen everything with hot water. I will then soak with bicarbonate to basically loosen the rest of the material and get it to come off the sides. And then I'll give everything a wash with good old fashioned washing up liquid. And the number of people who tell me I'm an idiot for doing that um, is quite high, to be fair. Um, But the reality is as long as you rinse it well afterwards, and I will, you know, normally I'll do like percarbonate, then washing up liquid, then percarbonate again, um, because then I make sure that I've cleaned absolutely everything. I'm going to take my element out to clean it, to clean the triclamp. Um, also helps I can give the element a good scrub to get rid of any crap that's left on that. Cause if you catch the um, 
the scale before it actually sets properly, before it cools completely, then you can basically just scrub it off and you end up with a nice shiny element again. Um, but that's essentially why we're cleaning what we're cleaning because there's also going to be bits of grain in there. You know, if you're cleaning a fermenter, there's going to be bits of hot matter in there. If you're cleaning um, your boil kettle, there's going to be the protein from the from the hot and cold break in there. There's going to be all sorts of stuff in. And there is no really one chemical fits all, except for, you know, maybe hydrofluoric acid, because it'll dissolve the inside of whatever it is you put it in. Um, but you won't want that anywhere near you, so don't get that as an idea. Just stop. Um, yeah, it, 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 there is no one size fits all. It, it is a... It is going to take a little bit of thought and a little bit of, you know, chemistry, really, to, to clean it properly. It's a, it's a bit of a minefield, isn't it, for, like, particularly not only new brewers, but also experienced brewers in terms of the number of different products that are out there now. If you go to, like, the cleaning, sanitising section of the malt miller, there's, like, 30-odd products there. And it's... Without a background in chemistry or whatever, it's kind of hard to know what exactly you're kind of um, needing to buy. And actually, the Mobiler did a really good video on YouTube on this and talked a bit about kind of, they almost talked about the different categories of cleaners. So they were like, here's the sodium bicarbonate based ones. Here's the kind of, I don't know, the, the alkaline ones, you know, and talked a bit about like the the basic types of cleaning chemicals. So, do you reckon you might be able to summarise that a little bit, Chris? Tricky in terms of sort of the the basic types rather than the the niche products and the brand names, but just the basic types of chemicals that. Well, I think you're, you're always going to. <laughs> We'll start off with one of the ones that we, I think, certainly the people on this podcast tend to steer clear of, which is kind of bleach-based cleaning products. Um, I mean, you can use bleach itself if you, you know, if you uh, dilute it down. That's used by people for cleaning uh, equipment. Um, don't personally like or want to ever do that myself, but that we'll get onto that. I think in good time. Um, there are percarbonate is an active ingredient in a lot of cleaning products and in a lot of products that people use for cleaning, which aren't actually intended as brewery cleaners. So um, your kind of OxyClean um, and uh, it's the main ingredient in PBW, I believe, as well. Uh, and that's um, is it uh, it becomes hydrogen peroxide. When it goes into liquid, it, it, it liberates hydrogen yeah. peroxide. Um, so it's essentially it's a an oxygen based bleach. Is that right? Uh, it liberates radical oxygen. So oxygen exists as O two, and it liberates O dot, which is a radical. So it's really really highly reactive. And what that'll do is that'll bleach fucking anything you put it anywhere near. Um, that's what hydrogen peroxide does. So that, that's good stuff. And um, I think that has a it's, a, it's a very good cleaning agent, but it does also have a sanitizing action as well, doesn't it? It will actually kill bacteria as well. So it's got, it, it rips fuck out of cell walls. It is, um, it is used by people as a sort of one, you know, one stop shop kind of thing as far as cleaning and sanitizing. I think, uh, again, a lot of people, and certainly I believe the people on this podcast would use that as sort of a step one 
cleaning agent and then maybe follow that up with something like star sand um so your star sands and things like that which maybe more in the sanitizing side of things are acid based uh, and that's basically just about dropping your ph to a point where you're going to be um killing off uh you know unwanted cells or preventing them from growing by putting it into a ph zone that's too low for them to thrive um and what is that limit it's like three three is it three or below lower than that it's lower than that i think it's i think it starts to go cloudy at about ph 2.2 or something Oh, I thought it was about three. I need to check. Yeah, I'll take some. I work. think I might. Yeah, I think I've seen that the advice is that you you should aim to have your um, star sand solution at three or below, and and that's one of the reasons why people talk about uh, and the advice is to um, try and use it with uh, sort of you know mineral or RO water if possible, because if it's got very um, high bicarbonates in the water if you've got very hard water with lots of bicarbonates that's going to essentially neutralize the acid and you're going to end up with a higher ph than is intended with a normal dilution rate yeah it's going to buffer exactly so when you see that solution turning cloudy that's actually the bicarbonates precipitating out of solution yeah i don't even need to be here this boy's (laughs) learning (laughs) fucking osmosis um so yeah, that's what the cloudiness is. It's basically that stuff kind of dropping out, and that will eventually actually settle out to the bottom. You will end up with a ch- kind of chalky residue um, from the acids uh, basically reacting with the bicarbonates. But the off... Um, I'm getting distracted by the bottle that Chris is holding up to the screen, but the off uh, shoot of that is that you're essentially um, reducing the amount of acid that's going into the the, the solution, so you then going to have a higher pH than you would normally get at that dilution rate. So it doesn't mean that you can't use that with hard water. It just means that you might have to up your um, amount that you're putting in. So you're going to... Just go five mils per litre. Yeah. It pretty much solves that issue up to about 320 mig, uh, 320 parts per million of... Bicarb. And you can check the pH if you you know if you really want to make sure that it's doing what it needs to do. You can check the pH once you mm. made up the solution. If it's low enough, then you, you're good. Um, whether it's cloudy or not, it's interesting. So, because when I when I use Star Sand, if I tend to like mix up a spray bottle, yeah. I'll tend to use RO water. Um, but when I am like sanitizing, I know, FVs and stuff, I'll just use tap water. And I tend to try and use a little bit less water relative to the amount of star sand that I use, mm-hmm. knowing full well that obviously I'm using quite hard water. But I, it's probably something I ought to test. In reality, I, I haven't had any any infections, so pH three is still going to kill bacteria. I think I think the guidance I'm, was three. I'm and pretty below. sure I've heard three as well. I think that is. I thought it, was it may have even two. been three point something. I mean, but, it's still going to kill bacteria. It's just going to do it slowly. That's the thing. It's, yeah. it, it, it's still going to rip through the cell wall, which is what you're trying to do. You're trying to explode the cell wall. Yeah. It's still going to rip through it. It's just going to take a while to do it. You know, it's not It's not going to do it, may, it bang. And it, it may be that it's also just generally reducing it. You know, if you reduce it by 95% or whatever, and then you introduced a large amount of brewing yeast... Mm. You know that is probably going to sort of generally take care of the rest, right? And, and, I'm, you know. I'm fairly 
fairly certain that when yeast are doing their thing, they do produce some acid as well. Mm. So they do tend to lower the pH anyway. Yeah, now I guess we're talking about the pH, the wort, right, or the beer at that point during early, early or different stages of fermentation. I wouldn't have thought it gets below three by any stretch. Well, of the no, I mean you're still looking at a sour at that point, aren't you? You would be, yeah, uh, and that's a pretty sour sour too. At, th- at three. PH three. Oh yeah, that would take I mean, take the enamel off your teeth. I think that's basically lemon juice is PH three. Citric acid yeah. is PH three or thereabouts. I can't remember what my sour came in at. I think it was three point four. It was pretty sour. Yeah, you're gonna notice that. <laughs> yeah, it was like <clears throat> yums. Anyway, we like what should we all should we make a differentiation? Just for perhaps those that may not necessarily know, the difference between cleaning and sanitising. I'll do this in two sentences. Cleaning is removing debris and shit that you don't want there. Sanitation is killing bacteria and fungus and yeast. Although technically yeast are a fungus, but yeah. Uh, Essentially, sanitation is killing microorganisms and cleaning is removing debris and crap that you just don't want to be in there. Nice. Good. We'll just work out on that as a basis for definition moving forwards. So clear. So we've talked a bit about um we've talked a bit about oxyclean and sodium bicarbonate. We talked about star san. What other pro- you know, what there's, other there's, types of cleaning we, products are there? I think we need to cover the different types of acid based sanitizers as well, because it's not just yeah. star san. You've got um, Chemsan and StellaClean, which are the two, uh, the three, and StarSan, obviously. They're the three that are kind of big on the market at the minute. Um, those are the three that you're going to be using. Uh, StarSan, I think, is the most concentrated of all of them, so it's one mil per litre. Um, oh, okay. I know Chemsan is two mils per litre. I'm not sure what StellaSan is. I've never had the misfortune of using it. Uh, I've always had either StarSan or Chemsan in place, so... I've never really I've used got, that one. I've got Stella San downstairs. Is it one mil per litre or two in mil the per litre? I'm not sure. I've only literally used it once and I just made an assumption that it was more or less the same. Okay. Well, so I probably ought to have read the instructions. So I can't answer RTFM, that question. RTFM, bro. Because... RTFM. Yeah, I'll pretend yeah. I know what that means. Read the fucking manual. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> cool I'm you normally quite good with you that. You don't want to end up with a peb cack. You know what I'm saying? Problem exists no, between just, keyboard just and chair. And nod. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, essentially, you, you've got these, and that's where you want to be. You want to be acid in water at a rough pH, and then you go from that, and that's that's what you do for your sanitation. But there are other versions out there, and I'm going to do the next one because I absolutely love it. Okay, I love Iodophore or Io Star by Five Star Chemicals. It's wonderful, and I trust iodine to kill shit much more than I trust acid to kill shit because there are bacteria out there that are extremophiles and they can survive within I mean you find bacteria in volcanic vents you know what I mean and undersea volcanic vents like literally on the ocean floor there's bacteria down there these are extremophiles they've developed the ability to live in very very extreme conditions 
And it's the same reason I don't swim in the ocean because I'm scared of getting hit by an iceberg or eaten by a shark. And yes, that's true. That's why I never swam in the Indian Ocean when I was getting married in Mauritius because I was scared of being hit by an iceberg or eaten by a shark. And I trust iodine to kill stuff. That and Greenpeace would have harpooned my ass and dragged me back to shore. But, oh God, what's going off here? Go away. Um, yeah, I, I, I trust iodine because iodine is what they use medically. Um, it's called betadine in operating theatres. They swipe you down with it and you turn all brown. That's iodine and it's good stuff. Um, so I trust that and I use that. I've actually got some IO star underneath the sink in the kitchen. Um, yeah. So what's stuff. the actual, um, like what, why does iodine kill stuff? What's the actual mechanism for? Well, it forms radicals and it's basically, it's a halide and halides are really very, very, very reactive. Um, so they'll react with just about, in fact, they will react with pretty much anything. If you know anything about chemistry, either end of the periodic table, um, at the far left, you've got the transition, uh, sorry, the alkaline metals, the sodium, potassium, and all that. Throw them in water, they burst into flames, blah, blah, blah. Everybody knows that. And at the right-hand side, you've got your xenon, your argon, your inert gases. You can't really do anything with them. They're so frigging inert. You can try and set fire to them, and they'll just laugh, which is why they use them in fire retardation systems. You know, they'll, they'll put out fires. But one to the left of that, you've got your fluorine and your chlorine and all that sort of stuff. And those are the true nasties. Those are the ones that will kill you in a heartbeat. Fluorine gas will literally kill you in under 30 seconds dead. And if you expose to it for more than about 10 seconds, you can kiss your lungs goodbye and you'll be dead in about you know, 35 seconds anyway. Haven't that, they used that in chemical warfare? Yes, they did. Yeah, Mustard gas. Yeah. yeah. So it's nasty, nasty shit. But iodine forms... Uh, compounds really easily because it's very, very reactive. So it'll react with anything. Um, so you get sodium iodide, uh, you'll get um, potassium bromide. So you think about the different ends of the periodic table. Um, go with group one and group seven, I think it is. And those two react very well to form what we call salts. Um, sodium chloride, potassium chloride. Yeah, that's a salt. Um, and basically, because they're so reactive, you put them anywhere near a living thing, they will burn it. I've had iodine spills on my skin. Um, you can't see it really well, but there's a mole round about there, there. And just above the mole, there's a scar. And that was a chemical burn from some bromine that I spilled on myself. It went straight through my gloves. Nasty shit. You were telling us the other day about your uh, your emergency shower. <laughs> oh, mate, yeah. your... Uh... My cold <laughs> then, emergency shower, yes. And you and the experiences you've had of, of having to actually get into a cold shower fully clothed. What when pricks through hundred volt potassium uh, hydrogen peroxide on me, yeah. Yeah. No it's no bueno. It's no bueno. So yeah, that that's basically what I like to use. I like to use uh iodine because I know that it's it's much more reactive. So other other popular options for uh, but maybe less effective options for sanitising. Uh, Milton tablets, people tend Don't to do use. It. So, so Milton tablets are That's the one of your bleach-based uh, cleaners, isn't it? Sanitise children's or baby bottles and stuff like that. 
Shall we just let people know what the active ingredient is? So if they see it on something, they can never use it to try and sanitize their brewing shit. Sodium hypochlorite. It liberates chlorine, and that chlorine, as Tricky will uh, will let us know, uh, forms nasty chemicals when it comes into contact with beer, doesn't it, Trick? Uh, it does indeed. So chlorophenols, uh, the um, the things that you want to avoid, and that is the root. Uh, well, most often the root cause of your um, TCP or medicinal or Band-Aid, as they like to call it in the US, uh, off flavors. So, yeah. Um, Yum. Personally, I, I wouldn't love, want to put it anywhere near my beer IPA. or my cleaning process. <laughs> yeah. Band-Aid IPA. Yeah, or we perhaps we could, uh, perhaps we could call them the. Um, oh, who was that guy that did, that organized Band-Aid? Bob Geldof. Geldof. Bob Geldof. You could call them Bob Geldof, Geldof beers. IPAs. Yeah, <laughs> that that's uh, a good one. Man. That's a good one. Yeah, so basically, Milton tablets will liberate. Um, they'll liberate chlorine, which obviously chlorine, like iodine, is a halide. It's going to rip through cell walls and react with just about everything. Um, and then there's there's one here, ChemClean. Never used it. What's ChemClean? Yeah, I have I, not used I've it either. Clean. I have used it quite a bit. I actually bought like a ten kilo tub of oh, it. Oh, you were saying that's the stuff that's quite um, hardcore, bit bit yeah, evil on the, on, um, your, on your skin if you get it on there. Yeah, it's kind of it's like a foaming cleaner. It foams up quite a bit. You can use it at kind of almost any temperature, so you can use it cold as well as warm. Um, so it doesn't have to be hot to be effective. And it is a very, very good cleaner. But I do find if you get it on your hands, uh, it doesn't burn you. But it's certainly like you can tell that you've had it on your hands. Um, you end up getting a very like, very dry skin. It certainly isn't like particularly nice cleaner. Um, there are some warning signs about not breathing it in. So yeah. I'm always quite you careful. Think- yeah, I was quite careful to wear like a, a mask when I'm sort of scooping it about. Um, Safety specs as well, I hope. Um, sometimes, yeah, sometimes. <laughs> well, that, that means not very yeah, elbow length. <laughs> I've got I've got elbow length gauntlets. James yeah. Harry gloves. <clears throat> there's there's so many times. There's only so many times that like you 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 put up with having kind of sore hands, um, before you sort of learn. And uh, yeah, it's it's good stuff. It's a good cleaner, but it's not um, it's not friendly. I wouldn't have said. No. I actually would probably prefer to use sodium bicarbonate as a go-to. You should just do what I did, and you know, buy a sack of it. I got a sack for fifty-eight quid from the homebrew company in York. No, uh, homebrew online in York. Uh, fifty-eight quid delivered, and I've had that for two and a half years, and I think I've probably used about. 12 kilos and i throw that shit in like it is fucking confetti i do (laughs) christmas i do just make it rain (laughs) i've got um i I bought a tub from morley homebrew shout out simon seaton he knows who morley homebrew is uh and it was like one kilo so it's this little bottle like this and i've been using it ever since so all i do is come down open the bottle scoop it until it's full put the lid on carry it back into the house and then it's like 
make it rain. <laughs> make it rain. How much can we you're put like, in here? You're like in the shower. Yeah, <laughs> yeah in there. That's why I'm bald. Um, but yeah, it's it's good stuff. I love uh, I love a bit of sodium percarbonate. Plus, it's really good shit if you want to freak people out. Because if you put loads of it in boiling water, so if you get a um, a conical flask and put it on the um, on the what do you call it on the stove until the water in it's boiling, and then pull it off, throw a massive scoopful into your boiling water, and then put a balloon over the top of the conical, it fills up with pure oxygen. And then you capture the balloon, pop the top off, tie it off with a bit of string, soak it in some alcohol, let because it'll be lighter than air at this point. You let it go, and then basically light the string. And when it hits the top, you get a fireball. Wow! <laughs> now that was something I wasn't expecting to learn on this podcast. Sounds like a good party trick. I mean, I wouldn't recommend anybody does it without proper training and giving them. You know, I've I've done a bit of training on stuff like this. I can do that, but. It does work. It works really well. You're properly Although, trained you... to set fire to balloons. Well, well done, Chris. No, set fire to the balloons. Yeah. Set fire to the string. Was, was, was that a specific training course? <laughs> it was. Or? It was. I passed with flying colours. I'm sure there was an unintended or possibly intended pun. You want to see what somewhere. you can do when you mix aluminium with sodium hydroxide. That's even better. I'll take your yeah. word for it. I'm um, sure it is. So what, what about... Hey, no. hang on, stop, stop. Fabricio has just joined the chat, and he's from Rio in Brazil. Wow. Welcome, yeah. Fabricio. I don't know how to say hello in, in, uh, in Portuguese, but hola is as near as I'm <laughs> going to get. Hmm. It's, it's one of the two main languages in the world, isn't it? It's Spanish or Portuguese, so, yeah. Dead I, know silence. Th- I know how to say thank you in Portuguese, but that's about as, as good as I got, having spent a few few weeks in Brazil. So why, when you were in Brazil, did you need to learn to say thank you, Owen? What were you doing well, in Brazil that necessi- necessitated saying thank you a lot? People would give you, bring you drinks or food. I don't know where you're it's, going it's with It's not this, an Chris, uncommon but... word to learn, like, as your first steps into a language, to be fair. It's not. Unless you're a bit of a twat that doesn't say thank you for anything. Let's move on. (laughs) So no rinse. No rinse cleaners and sanitizers. Some things fall into this category, don't they, where they certain products claim to be both a cleaner and sanitizer, which I think Tricky you mentioned one already. Is there is there some others that kind of fall into that camp that Uh well dare dare I mention BWP is um, a a cleaner and sanitizer. However, I'm sorry, you you can always count on whether you can always count uh, yeah that's that that side. You can always count on my boy Santi, uh, who's Spanish, to let me know how to say uh, something in Portuguese. He just posted it in chat, so I'll leave it up for a minute so people can see it. What's that? Boa tarde, tarde panelero. Panelero. Yeah, yeah. Cheers, Santi, mate. Love you, buddy. Uh, anyway, yeah, so VWP um, is marketed as a sort of cleaning and sanitizing product. I, one of the uh, one of the several issues that I personally have with that particular product um, is the fact that because it is 
bleach based that you you do need to thoroughly rinse it away afterwards so uh as far as i'm concerned any any sanitizer that you have to rinse off afterwards with potentially you know um compromised water out the tap is not really sanitizing properly that's just my my sort of view on it um yeah do you know what i mean i mean i what I know that tap water is generally you can rely on it being pretty clean. Otherwise, we, we'd all be getting ill from drinking it. But just by doing the process of having to rinse it off, you, you know, it's at that point it's no longer sanitised, is it? Really, as far as I'm yeah, concerned, technically, technically not sanitary enough for brewing purposes, so, right? You know, that's yeah, that's my my right. sort of viewpoint on it. Um, I don't. Is there anything else that comes? As a, I'm gonna say, a cleaning and Santi's, sanitizing agent, I don't know. Santi's fucking stitched us up. Apparently, uh, he says he's not sure if he's going to love you very much after calling him Penelliero. Apparently, that's some kind of insult in Portuguese. Cheers, Santi. Twat. And and apologies to uh, Rio de Janeiro for uh, yeah. what we just a- said. Apologies, Brazil. Sorry, Fabrizio. We did not know what we were saying. It was uh, it was his fault. Um, we are British and ignorant. Yeah. So. so anyway, well, um, should we should we just quickly say what what our our kind of preferred products out of that list, or what what our own personal sort of method is before we get onto the commercial yeah. carbon and starter. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I think that I think probably between all of us, that's kind of the the sort of go to. Um, I mean, let's not forget just a good like you know soap and uh, and hot water is a perfectly decent sort of cleaning agent. Um, if you've got a fairly light you know cleaning job to do, I mean, most of the time with my FVs, um, you know, a bit of soap and hot water, unless the the yeast uh, the Krausen ring is really sort of jammed on there and, and difficult to shift. Uh, hot water and soap is perfectly adequate. Clean that out, give it a rinse, and then star sand afterwards to sanitize is perfectly fine. Most of the time, when I'm doing um, the brew day cleaning, so like the kettle, uh, I will use percarbonate anyway, just because I want to make sure that I'm breaking down all that protein gunk that's like building up um, in the kettle, inside the pipework, inside the pump. Um, so run it through with hot uh, percarbonate. Uh, the temperature does seem to make a, a big difference with uh, percarbonate as well. Is there a um, mm. scientific reason for that, Chris, with the heat, or is it just uh, just helps reaction to... rates increase with temperature and pressure? Yeah, it doesn't make any sort of chemical difference the way the percarbonate works, does it? It just literally makes it more effective because of the reaction. I mean, the hotter increase. it is, the easier it's going to soften things and 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 make yeah so it will help you um i guess get sort of sugars and sticky things like that into solution easier as well because the temperature um yeah so that will aid in the cleaning so yeah i think um if you if you do have equipment that's particularly sort of grimed up with stuff uh, like particularly kind of kettles and things like that if you run a, a hot percarbonate wash through it and actually Put it onto to heat and leave it for all. I found that will bring almost anything up, sort of clean, give yeah. it a bit of time. I've 
Yeah, I've found kind of like certain things become more challenging to clean than others, right? So plate chillers are probably less so counterflow chillers. So I, I use counterflow chiller and obviously you can't really easily get inside those to give them a scrub. So you do really require um, the use of chemicals and in particular temperature. Mm-hmm and really kind of forcing the fluid around it to to give it a good clean um so that's where like things like sodium carbonate or whatever cleaner you choose to use is is really useful personally i i have i use sodium carbonate uh the chem clean stuff um and star san or stella san or whatever it is i've got in stock at the time that's my general go-to um but yeah i like my my sort of method generally is like um post brew day will be like a good spray down um my system's like clean in place so i could just like jet most of it off give it a scrub get rid of like the main part of the debris then normally i've i've gathered some warm water from um chilling the beer down so then I will throw that in with a whole load of like sodium carbonate. Mm-hmm. I will normally leave it to soak for a little bit. Then I'll shove my sip ball on, give it a spin with the pump. Uh, circulate it round my counterflow chiller, drain all of that out and, uh, and then give it a rinse. And then I'll normally leave it until the next time I brew. So that is literally what I do. And then before I brew, I tend to like either give it another clean or I will start on it just before I brew. That sounds pretty much My, the same as mine method. What about you, Chris? Mine is essentially because I've got an all-in-one, same as Owen. Um, I will blast it off like as soon as I finish brewing and everything's in the fermenter and it's in the... Um, it's in the what do you call it? It's in the fermentation fridge. Everything goes up to the house, um, and then it gets PBW'd, uh, not PBW'd. Uh, it gets carbonate, um, just you know, filled up with hot water, carbonate in, left for maybe ten minutes. Then I drain the taps, and I drain the taps with the valve open at various stages to kind of rinse any crap out of the taps, um, and then once I've done that. I'll take the element out, give the element a damn good clean. The inside of the kettle gets washing up liquid and a scourer, because it's stainless, it doesn't matter. Um, just clean everything off that's still stuck to the sides. Um, and then the taps get, I've got um, <laughs> I've got a test tube cleaning brush, <laughs> which I got from work, uh, which I'll then clean the inside of the, uh, the ball valves with. So open them up and basically just go through them. Um, and then... The inside of the tri-clamp, I'll clean that. Everything gets rinsed. And then the element gets put back in. And then I will PBW again. I will carbonate again. And then once I finish doing that and everything's been drained off, uh, I've got a pump sprayer, which I got from Santi, uh, which is full of uh, RO water and star sand at 2 mils per litre. So I want it quite acidic so I know how long it's going to be kept. And then literally everything gets a spray with that. The um, the twin chiller, 
gets cleaned every second brew. So I'll bring that up to the house. And when I'm doing the initial PB, uh, the initial carbonate, I'll drop it in with that. Um, and basically, uh, that kind of cleans the chiller. And then that gets a spray down with acid. Because if you leave um, percarbonate on copper, it will oxidize and turn green. If you leave it with acid on there, it won't react. And it actually helps to clean it even more. So you end up with that nice, shiny orange copper at the end. And then the whole thing gets brought back up to the shed. The inside of the lid will get a spray at this point. The lid's all been cleaned, but I'll spray the lid at this point. Gets put on, and basically it's left. It's down there right now, uh, full of star sand. Well, with about mm, probably 56 to 70 mils of star sand in there. Uh, and basically that's that sorted. That's basically the way that I clean my my kit. But my, my fermenter, as soon as I've transferred a beer, that gets a clean. That gets filled up with uh, 65 degree water out the tap because I've cranked my boiler up to max. That gets PBW in. Um, not P I keep saying PBW. That gets percarbonate in. That cleans that off. As soon as that's done and sorted, I'll rinse it with cold water to prevent the air from contracting and pulling sides in. And then five litres of star sand made up in RO goes in, gets shaken around, and that gets left until the next brew. So everything's ready to go at that point. Um, yeah, we're golden. I think there, there was just one point that sprung to mind about the use of star sand, which is why uh, what I learned early on was like when you read the back and the instructions, it will say like, you know, make up 10 litres with X number of mils of star sand. And you're like, oh, okay, I'll do that. And then you soon work out that actually I don't really need 10 litres to sanitise my FE. I actually only, only really need like a litre. Mm. So then you start to sort of work out actually you don't need to be using as much star sand. Um you know, you only need to make up like a litre worth of solution. Yeah, so totally. it, it's good to sort of work out a table of kind of, if you want to make one litre of sanitising solution. Well, it's one mil per litre, isn't litres. it? Yeah, so it's just like, don't more, don't use more than you need to. I think, obviously, the companies are like, you know, trying to game it a bit to yeah, use Yeah, 100%. I think possible, with, right? with a lot of these Makes sort of sense, products, then. it's definitely worth getting like a, a 10 mil syringe that you can actually measure stuff out with properly yeah. and um you know especially with stuff like star sand so you can go okay i need a liter's worth i'll just put one mil in it or whatever whatever you need to yeah. do so but yeah i i agree like for general kind of sanitizing purposes like a spray bottle with a liter of star sand and it is going to do the job for you like 90 percent of the time um i do keep sort of like a bucket's worth of star sand um, on hand generally, but that's specifically for kegs when I want to purge a, a, like a whole keg through and just fill it up to the top with star sand. Um, so that's the only time when I need it in that kind of quantity, but for like sanitizing the FVs and the brewing equipment, a uh, spray bottle is what I tend to use. I don't really, you know, ever fill them up with star sand as such. One, one nice. question that we've just had, sorry to put in, um, Harmon, Brett Harmon has basically just said the most important thing that he's found in his cleaning regime is timing. Do not leave it until tomorrow. Do it at the end of your brew. Do it when you transfer something. Do it when you need to do it there and then. 
don't leave it until tomorrow. It, it's just a pain in the ass. Um, the, the other thing is Alan Westcombe's just asked, how do I clean my malt bag? Well, I clean my malt bag by at the end of the mash, basically it gets turned inside out. All the grain gets dumped into a bin liner. And then whilst the boil is coming up to the boil, because I can check mine on my phone, I'll go into the house, blast it off with a tap, because I've got one of those taps that you can pull off and wave around like a magic wand, which the kids love because they can spray the entire fucking kitchen with it, which is ace for them and not so much good for me. Um, and then basically I'll blast all the bits off, take it outside and give it a wee-hee in a circle to get rid of the rest of the bits. And then it becomes do, a white Do the old helicopter. Just, yeah. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and then I just literally throw it in the washing up, uh, in the washing basket, and the wife deals with the rest of it, and it comes back to me all nice and clean. Yeah, that's exactly so, what I do. It doesn't need to go like through um, a detergent wash either. You can just put it on a rinse cycle, and it's fine. no. Mine goes through a full. Oh, you, yours wash. gets the full full job, does it? Oh, mate, yeah. Um, She'd eye in it if I asked her to. <laughs> oh, bless. Yeah, when I used to do brew in a bag, I used to just put mine on a fifteen minute, uh, fifteen minute wash, um, without any detergent or whatever. I'm not sure oh, we need that. I'm not sure we need that picture. Yeah, that's, up, a, that's a lovely picture of Stewie there. Stewie's beautiful face. Yeah. Um, oh, crazy man. We, were we going to mention the the sort of slightly more professional level products like the caustic and well, the. If you're, if you're in the chat, worth mentioning. if you're in the chat at the minute, Simon Seaton's just mentioned it, and you know Simon knows I used to work for a brewery as well. Uh, essentially, at the end of the brew, um, you scoop all the crap out of the bottom with a shovel, and then you wash it through with hot water or cold water or whatever kind of water you've got, just to kind of remove the main debris, and then um, you'll run 65 degree water with caustic in it. Uh, so sodium hydroxide, and that kind of breaks everything down. You let that sit for a while, recirculate it through, which is what I used to do. And then at the end of that, uh, once everything's nice and clean, you'll put persid through it, so paracetic acid. Um, and that's basically as no rinse an industrial sanitizer as you can get. That pretty much kills everything. I believe they use it in sheep dip. So when they're dipping sheep to get rid of uh, nasty parasites and stuff, they dip them in uh, in a person solution. I might be wrong on that, but I'm pretty sure it's sheep dip. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that's kind of what they'll do. Um, it's good stuff. It works really well. Um, and on the industrial scale, on the industrial scale, it's, it's grand. Um, yeah. The uh, the only thing that I want to mention at this point, being as I am, you know, au fait with chemicals and stuff, there is a safety warning that's involved here, guys. Please take appropriate safety, you know, into account when you're using any of these chemicals, because even phosphoric acid will still melt your skin. Caustic is very, very nasty and does all kinds of bad... Anything that you can rub your fingers together and it feels soapy, anything that feels kind of slippy... That's because basically it's either a detergent, which is, you know, slippery in itself, or it's melting your skin. And that's why it feels slippery, because your skin's being melted away. Just use goggles, use gauntlets. That's your skin cells melting. Literally, that is a solution of skin cells that you are rubbing between your fingers. Just be careful. Um, 
make sure you use safety goggles and stuff like that. Um, just really be careful with it. it. It can be very, very, very nasty. So we've covered caustic and parasitic acids. I've had a, uh, yeah, a couple hands. more questions coming specifically about star sand. So one from Luke. If uh, Is it true if star sand still foams up when you shake it, it's still good to use as a rough guide? No. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm pretty sure that's not an indication of its effectiveness. No. Either way, he says he uses hard tap water, so he throws it away after each use anyway. That's an indication it's still a detergent. So it's it's really only, and I think this probably answers the next question, which it, which is from Andy Mitchell, is how long will it, will star sand once it's made up last? And I think the only way to tell is the checking the pH, right? Yeah. If it's cloudy, it's it's done. Chuck it away. But if it's still clear, um, check the pH as long as it's below pH two, you're fine. So just just coming back to the cloudiness thing, though, if the, if the cloudiness is basically induced by using it with hard water, but you add more, like star sand, basically to counteract the um, buffering buffering capability. capability of it, if you hit that pH. It's not going to change over time, is it? Or what's it, it... No, it shouldn't do. Because once you've once you've precipitated everything out, yeah, you can. And that's that's eventually going to gonna settle fine. down to the bottom, and you might actually end up with clear star sand anyway. Yeah, you will. So, is there yeah, so is, is there is there a is there a shelf life on it, or is it just like theoretically? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's a good question because I yeah. So I'm I'm not sure if I necessarily agree with the point that if it's cloudy, it's done. Get rid of it. I think even if it's yeah, cloudy, that's what I'm saying. Like if you if you make it up P, to yeah, the the pH, is if you make it up to the below. correct concentration, it should be good either way, right? Or it should I think be. So. Look at that picture that David Carr's just posted. <laughs> I don't know what that dog's drinking. It's like live but footage of David, David drinking right now. He's yeah, it would appear it would appear to be live footage of David Carr drinking. I don't know. Looks like a pint of cream. I mean, that's not going to be good for your. It could be a Dave. white Russian. I think that dog's enjoying a white Russian there. <laughs> wow, outstanding! <laughs> it's like the old El Dudorino. Yeah, man. Yeah. Classic I think, cocktail. I think that's where we roll. So, I think. So I what? Think what we're we saying on star? What we're we saying on star sand lifespan? Because I'm not sure we've actually really. I think as long I think as, as long you as measure the pH, you're fine. Right. Sorry, yeah. Owen, so I the, jumped in again. So as the pH is pH is below where it needs to be, which um, um, I'm fairly certain will probably. I mean, be I mean, personally, for me, if I'm if I'm reusing star sand, I tend to like work on the basis of how much crud is like collecting in the the container of star sand, and if there's like just loads of shit and debris at the bottom of it, that's the point when I'll normally like chuck it out and make up a new batch because I don't want to be. Pouring bits of dirt into a container in order to sanitize it. Do you know what I mean? That's uh, you actually reuse your star sand uh, for like, like I said, for stuff like um, purging the kegs. I'll I'll purge out that. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm with you on you know that. What I mean, I always purge from keg to keg. Yeah, exactly. Well now. So, well, at the point where that star sand that's coming out has now collected a bit of shite out of the, you know, whatever dregs were left in the keg that I didn't manage to get out during washing or whatever, then. Um, or sometimes it's just from it standing there, like literally just stuff that's kind of 
found its way into the bucket somehow when I wasn't actually, uh, you know, had it covered up or whatever. So, yeah, I so generally, according to the hive mind of Google and the various threads on homebrew stuff, it it thinks if it's under three point five, then it's generally good to use. I heard three point four. But I guess lower the better, right? Yeah. I'd yeah, go two and a half just to be sure. Yeah. So I think as long as you're sort of in that three, three and preferably below mark, then so, you know, keep you keep reading. I guess our answer is if you can measure the pH, then you can be sure either way. Uh, and if it looks like cl- it's clean, you know, the solution is clean, there's not a load of other shit floating around in there, then keep using I've, it. I've, I've just noticed um, I had a kebab last night, so I'm farting like a trooper. And I've noticed that Audacity is actually picking up my farts. Excellent. Well, that's something for uh, you and Tricky to edit out uh, later. I'm looking point. forward to listening back to that. In um... <laughs> is there some sort of option on your editing? I, I haven't got a plugin to uh, remove farts. Unfortunately, there's like an anti. We need to find one. There's an anti reverb one, like a mouth click one, all this sort of stuff. But they haven't yet invite uh, invented the. Um, D farter plugin that uh, somebody needs well, to maybe, come up with that one. Yeah, maybe we need to work on a preventative plugin, which is Chris finds something. Other so he, needs, he, needs a, he needs a cork. That's what he needs. Yeah, it's because I've, I've got the microphone so close to my mouth now because I've actually got the ability to do it. Hello, hello. I I just I I I just it's picking up my farts. What can I say? Phil. Anyway, on that wonderful subject, should we uh, should we break for the commercial break? Let's do the commercial Let's break. Go. Yes. Right, tricky. Uh, well, it's already in the glass because I think we were we were all sort of preempting this and uh, getting prepared. <laughs> so I have got a uh, in pursuit. It's a Ooh. New England IPA by Free Hills Brewery. Um, I mentioned these guys, I think, on the previous podcast because uh, they've set up their own um, sort of homebrew club online on Facebook, and they've been running. A, they ran a competition with uh, where they were giving out Artenum hops, uh, which I used in the West Coast IPA that I was drinking on the, the previous pod. Um, anyway, they're fairly local to me. Um, these beers, they do like a sit. This is like the last uh, edition of this that they're going to do as a regular thing, but they do a. Um, they do a series of these where it's basically like a 3% beer, the 6%, which is this one, and then a 9% double IPA. Um, the 3% is called um, Small Steps. The middle one, this one, is called In Pursuit, and the 9% is called Of Juice. So it's Small Steps In Pursuit Of Juice, which is, um, I thought it was quite clever anyway. But uh, uh, they're all really good beers generally. Um they kind of change up the hops and stuff on each edition that they do. And uh, this particular one, they've gone for Comet, Mosaic, uh, BBC hops, and Citra BBC hops. So uh, in- That's going to be a nice bit. Enhanced Mosaic, Enhanced Citra, and Comet in there as well. Uh, I can tell you right now, that's going to be really nice. I mean, Mosaic and Citra, you can't really like go too far wrong. Uh, a bit of Comet it's in there as It's that Comet well. backbone, man. It's that comet backbone that allows everything to build. I think that's uh, 
yeah, having having something to sort of build those two on top of is a good uh, good starting point as well. The malt, extra pale, um, carapils, oats and wheat, and yeast is New England ale. So I think is that a um, is that a Laumon yeast, New England ale, that verdant kind of thing? Yeah, I think that might be the other. Is it? Slalomans yeah, the other dry like Nipah yeast that they do. So yeah, anyway, very promising ingredients. The aroma is just like mega Nipa, poppy, juicy. Lots of um, soft fruit, mangoey, bit of dank, kind of that slightly sweaty mosaic thing that you get sometimes. Yes, I love a bit of. The, yeah, the armpit mosaic. gym sock mosaic smell. And then it's um very sort of soft, quite full body, uh, nice sort of smooth mouthfeel on it. And just bags of citron mosaic on the flavour, really. It's a uh, tropical juice bomb. It's a banger. <laughs> yeah, very nice. Very Stole nice. Stolen's word. It's a banger, mate. It's, it's a, a banger. banger. It's a juicy banger. Juicy banger. Um, nice. yes. Yeah, uh, they're they're kind of like a one one of the sort of up and coming breweries, I think, on the UK scene. And if you do get a chance to try their beers, I would uh, give them a go. Free hills. Oh, no. oh no. tricky. What? Luke's asked, "Is there a lot going on?" Yes, in a good way. Not in a. Um... Can you just say it so Luke can tick it off the bingo? <laughs> There's a lot going on there, Luke. <laughs> Luke, have I uh, satisfactorily vaped loud enough yet? Or um... you have to lean no, in you it. Go. Every time. <laughs> like that. I've tried to. I've tried to slip in a few just to you know. I've just. I'm. I'm literally watching you guys and a dog. <laughs> He's, licking cream out. He's of still glass. smashing that um, never-ending uh, white Russian. Isn't <laughs> Let, he? Let's put Stevie Burton up being a bit <laughs> mental. Perfect. His military haircut, as he put it. Uh, apparently, he posted in chat. He is drinking. Where is it? It's right up at the top. It was his Vienna Lager. Is it Vienna Lager? He said, "Yeah, it was." I guessed right. That's that's just I, wicked. I watch I watch a lot of Big Bananas videos on YouTube. I stay up to date with the the big man. Outstanding, that's what we want. Everybody tunes in for the birthday special every year as well, don't they? Oh yeah, I love the birthday special. <laughs> Especially what? he he got he got yeah, naked. There was year. literally balls out this year for the birthday special. No, was, yeah, incredible scenes. Actual was, balls it, out. Oh yeah, it was it was obviously uh, pixelated. Yeah, you know, the, the, friendly the, pixelated, but. The key details were rendered family friendly. Wow. That's impressive. Anyway, Chris, what are you drinking? Uh at the moment, um, due to the fact that I've smashed a few really hard, I'm drinking Brewdog's Nitro Jet Black Heart. Nice. Which is a vanilla oatmeal milk stout. And I have to say, it is a two-pant beer, <laughs> and it is a dive into the dark abyss, which 
I poured this and I saw it and it's just amazing. And normally, I mean, those of you who follow the podcast, you know full well, I'm not a massive fan of Brewdog. I think, um, I think to a certain extent they sold out when they became macro instead of being micro. That's just my opinion, but you know, um, I just, I think that, I think that this beer is utterly fantastic. I think that this beer is one of those beers that you drink and it's so smooth. It's super smooth. It's super... I mean, I could have just gone bosh and knocked the whole job lot back, but I'm really enjoying it. And the head's sticking around still, look. That's nitro, isn't it? You know, it's it's going to help. Beautiful. Help that head retention. So where did you get the one, Chris? Is that a uh, Morrison's? Morrison's. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we went we went down today to to buy some pajamas for the little girl, and um, the uh, the actual sort of um, the actual beer selection in Morrison's today was not amazing. It really wasn't. There's a lot of stuff that's kind of sold out, and they don't seem to be getting any more. But the um, the two that I got, I got another one which you'll you'll see later. Luke's going to get a couple of ticks on uh, on. LinkedIn bingo for that one but I really 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 like this beer it's super smooth it's super flavorful the oatmeal and the vanilla come through really really well I can't I can't fault this beer in any way shape or form it's really really nice oh thanks for that Mr. Vader it's it's just it's just a wonderful wonderful beer and it, it tastes amazing loads of chocolate as well weirdly enough I'm getting chocolate I'm getting a big coffee and I'm getting um, oatmeal, and I'm getting vanilla. I don't get so much of those super roasty notes, you know, which is good. It's pretty subdued. Yeah, I think Brewdog, a Brewdog, have tried to probably go in with like a fairly accessible stout. It's not like, a bad fucking shout by Brewdog, to be fair. Yeah, I think that's like that's core range. They need it to be. It needs to be like a pint of Guinness, but nicer because it's great. Yeah, Jet Black Heart has been one of their fairly long-running sort of uh, beers, has, hasn't it? Yeah. So I've not seen it before. Yeah, I don't. I don't think not? it was That's, like. Oh, they've been making it for years. I don't think it's always been widely available in like supermarkets and stuff. But it's definitely been like one of their lineup, yeah. you know, main lineup beers for a long time. Um, Dave- well, if you go into like any any Brewdog pub, yeah, they yeah. will almost exactly. always have it on tap, like. Without doubt, I'm leaving that one up because that just that's just for Owen. Choo choo. <laughs> David Carr has said Jet Black Nitro, Jet Black Heart on Nitro Tap is amazing. To be yeah. fair, if it's as good as it is out of the can, mate, I'd I'd give it a bash. Do yeah. you have you guys got Brewdog bars near you? Yeah, there's one in Leeds. Uh, in it? Milton Keynes, there's one. I've never actually been to it. To be fair, but. You know, we've um, got one in Southampton. I should, I, I I should have like been there because the, uh, the Milton Keynes Home Brew Club do their meetings at the uh, the Brewdog. Uh, one one good thing that I will, you know, give give props to Brewdog. They're all of their bars seem very uh, open to the idea of hosting home brew clubs. So if you are anyone's looking for a venue for home brew clubs to go to, um, it's definitely worth hitting up uh, a Brewdog bar if you've yeah. got one. Because they seem to be quite open to that uh, idea. Certainly on a weeknight, anyway. Maybe not so much at the weekend, but that's the same with any venue, really. If it's a commercial, you know, premises. 
Well, Brewdog may divide <coughs> the uh, the homebrew slash craft community, but they are always very pro homebrew, aren't they? Placing their yeah, recipes, yeah, exactly. What's not, you know? No, just, um, for me, it was more of a case of I tasted Dead Pony Club and just thought this is shit. <laughs> that was basically where my hatred came from. Really, i I've done I've done I haven't drunk Dead Pony Club for a very very long time, but I've made the I've made the beer from their recipe a couple of times, and I've really enjoyed it. Might be worth me giving it a go then. I, yeah, and I think actually, so it is a low ABV pale ale. I think. Yeah, and I, it is. It's a real good summer banger. That I I I gotta say, I kind of like quite enjoy the Dead Pony Club and I think at one point I kind of got to the, the point where it was like okay so the, the Punk IPA has kind of like gone downhill a bit but that was the one that was sort of still holding up the hoppy sort of thing do you know what yes. I mean like it, it seemed like that one was almost even though it was the supposedly the session pale ale for me kind of tasted more hoppy than the Punk in a lot of places. It's like the underdog. It's the underdog to punk yeah, IPA, yeah, exactly. isn't it? It's not quite as commercialised, and I think it's actually stayed a bit more yeah. true to its It's um, It seems to me like the recipe on that has design. stayed a little bit more consistent as opposed to the other one seems would, to have changed. I would agree with that. Was it that said, four, I haven't 14 dr- I haven't tons of afternoon hops? <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. Per, per um, litre. One million hectolitres. Um... What have you got, are we? What, what have I got? I've we've, got we've something. Been, we've been sat here and we're waiting, <coughs> mate. We're waiting to see whether or not you're going to get a tick on a bingo. <laughs> got a little drum roll. I am drinking a very a, quite a special beer, actually, uh, from America. It's an American beer from a, a brewery called Kings County it's Brewers. John Smith's export in uh, in <laughs> Brooklyn, New York. And it is Carlsberg, Brooklyn edition. a beer called <laughs> This Is Your Brain on Hops. That's what the beer is called. Is it a dipper? I'll show you the artwork if you guys can see that. Pretty close to the camera. It looks like someone's just puked at the can. That does, that's slightly violent artwork, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, that Jesus. Awesome. That's so, awesome. It is a double Ho- Horrifying, but, um, Tick but the box, Luke. Cool, yeah. He's got a dipper. It's so it's so American, isn't it? That that artwork. Um, it's just like loads of color. Yeah. It's um, everything anyway, in Texas. It's an eight and a half percent double IPA. It claims it's a pint-sized can. American pints are obviously a different uh, size to UK pints. What is it then? Five hundred. So I'll let them. I'll let them off on a technicality. Four forty, isn't it? American Pint is 440. Uh, I'm not sure if it is. I think it's 500. Yeah, I think it? I think American Pint is 500-ish. It's 500 mils. Yeah, I think so. It's a double dry hopped, double IPA, 8.5% Citra and Galaxy hops. And first, the first thing that hit me was like the colour. We're both wrong. Um, 473.176 millilitres. For fuck's sake. Right, Where does that go. even come from? What? <laughs> Where does that come from? But then equally, where does 564 milliliters But it was from? there first, so it's that's what's proper. Okay, <laughs> we're right, they're wrong. Fair enough. <laughs> BRB. 
<laughs> we're reclaiming originality as usual. And there's more um, of it, more importantly. Like, you're going to go with the bigger measure, like, aren't you? Clearly, yeah. <laughs> Bigger's better. Surely they should have. They should have gone like. Yeah, how did, how did America ever do anything that to... downgraded the volume of a measure? It's like surely the whole ethos is like it's American. It should be bigger. There should have been a six hundred mil pint. That should be the American pint measure, shouldn't it? It should be, shouldn't yeah. it? I think let's lobby, let's lobby the U.S. government on that. I'll get tricky. on the phone to uh, yeah. Biden just after the podcast. Just say, mate, sort out your pint. Yeah, measure. I'm not sure if he'll um, understand you. To be honest. So. <laughs> too far off uh, being senile, I think. Um, the colour of this beer is absolutely awesome. It's just got like this really lovely orange, orange yellow colour, really opaque. Um, it's got, I mean, it's it's a, a full on New England IPA aroma. But what's really nice is it's not super heavy. It's a thick beer, but it's light at the same time. It's really interesting. It's got body, but it does sort of dry. It finishes reasonably dry. I don't know, actually, a lot of the American breweries tend to use a little bit of um, of uh, dextrose sometimes in this style of beer, um, which sometimes does that, just add that little bit of drinkability, if that is a word. But yeah, it's a really nice, really pleasant beer. I picked this up from um, Honest Brew, and they do. They have started stocking more American beers. I've noticed, except they do tend to be exceptionally expensive. Um, you know, like into the region of like nine, ten quid a can. A lot of the time, it is they are like double IPAs in fairness, but. I don't think this one was too horrendously expensive. I think it was maybe like six quid or something. But it was canned in January, mid-January. So it's like, yeah, you know, it's held up in terms of... What's that? Basically three months old. It's been, been in the can three months. And it's still absolutely banging. Can I just take this opportunity whilst I'm thinking of it and Owen's having a slurp? To big up Trillium Brewing, because I had a can. I got it from Cloudwater. They're twice the daily dose or something. It's called their yeah. five fruited Berliner Weiss. Oh my god! One of the best beers I've had this year. Really, by a considerable margin. It was absolutely fantastic. It was smashable. It had. <laughs> Cheers, Luke. Um, it had just so much fruit in it. It was. It had a, a decent level of tartness. Oh my God, it was beautiful, mate. It was beautiful. Matt, I think I I have drunk very little American beer. Obviously, it's quite difficult to get hold of generally in the UK and and in a good state as well. I've noticed um, the malt miller have started um, stocking Heretic. Yeah, beers. I might have to um, buy some of them. Yeah, I've heard that their beer is excellent, and they've got like a whole cold chain uh, throughout. And I would imagine actually what what a lot of these sort of people importing US beers are having to do is cold chain it. 
which obviously then probably reflects the the price you're paying but i would say the americans they do they know how to brew they know how to brew the, the thing about the beer that got me more than anything else is you expect something that is twice the daily recommended i, I can't remember the name of the beer you expect it to have a lot of fruit and it was clearly about 30 percent fruit juice or fruit puree and it balanced that that sourness it balanced it really really well it was a beautiful beautiful beer it really was Yes, no, it's, it's a bit like that beer I got from Brew York I was telling you about yesterday, which was, I think there may be nine different fruits in it, and if anyone knows Brew York, they like a little bit of a pun for their, uh, they do. For their names, for their beers, and this one's called, it's a pastry sour, and they've called it Albus Crumbledore, oh, which I thought was pretty That's strong. That's brilliant. That's, just That's pretty strong. <laughs> I haven't had it yet, but uh, they also did one called Raspberry Pie. Yes, I thought you'd like that. Yes, well, I've I've literally got one here. I've got one. Have you? Yeah, just a sec. Nice. That's my Raspberry Pie right there. Oh, okay. I'm with you. <laughs> no, I yeah. So they oh hang on they they they've called a beer Raspberry Pie. Cock this right up. Um, yeah, everything's moved. There we go. Typical. So, that's the commercial break done. Yeah, Tricky's fucked off. So, we're going to talk a bit about plastic versus stainless. Yeah, I think we should, actually. So, so what, you know, I guess it's like there might be some considerations in terms of the cleaning products you might be using or the methods that you might be using to clean. And I don't think there's so much of a difference with the with the products that you use. And I think the products that you use are pretty much going to be fine for, for both materials. But I think the most <coughs> important thing to remember when you're cleaning plastic is, you know, take, take the scourer that you would normally use to wash the dishes just turn it over and use a soft side. Don't don't go with the bit that resembles, you know, a, a welder's well, a bit of bad welding. Turn it over. Let's let's go with the bit that's kind of like a baby's bum, a bit softer. Uh, you don't want those scratches in your plastic. You don't want anywhere that's going to harbour, um, that's going to harbour any any bacteria or any viruses or any fungus or yeast or anything like that. Um, just try and extend the lifespan of the product if you're using a plastic item. It's like when I'm cleaning my uh, my Fernzilla, my all-rounder, I will not scrub it no matter what. If it has to stay in the hot water with the percarbonate for 35, 40 minutes to loosen everything off, to get it off the side, that's what's going to happen. You know, And if I have to vent it to ensure the reaction continues... I'm going to do that. I'm not going to mess around. Um, the heat, heat doesn't really affect, if it's just water out the tap, it's not going to affect any kind of plastic fermenter. You're not going to get much in the way of corrosion. Um, that That's all going to be perfectly fine. Whereas when I'm cleaning my brew kettle, it's everything but a goddamn steel wool pad. You know, I will scrub the crap out of it because it's metal. I'm not going to scratch that. And even if I do, it's not going to matter because the shit that's going to be in it's going to be boiled anyway. Um, 
you're not really going to affect the lifespan of stainless steel by giving it a damn good scrub. Heat's definitely not going to touch it because it's like 102 degrees maximum. Just just coming in on that one, Chris, and coming back to the bleach-based cleaners, um, bleach can react with stainless. Is that is that right? I mean, I've I've seen that said theoretically. Uh, I've seen that mentioned in a few places online. You know, obviously, I I don't think that's a reason not to use. There's there's a few reasons not to use those sorts of cleaners, uh, cleaners and sterilizers, in my opinion. But I don't think necessarily that's the one that you that's important because it's never going to be in contact for that long anyway, or it shouldn't be. But what what is the um, yeah, what is the the thing that people are talking about when they say that it's potentially corrosive to stainless steel for bleach? Is that I've never actually heard that myself you haven't theoretically it is true but the concentration of that bleach would need to be so high yeah it really would and there would need to be other conditions like temperature or something like that to get that reaction to occur um it's like those people who refuse to have a vaccination because Thimerosal has been used in the in the in the vaccine, and it contains mercury, and they don't want mercury in their body. Yeah, well, don't fucking drink water because that contains hydrogen, and don't use it to put out a fire, you prick. Um, it's the same kind of thing. It it all comes down to theoretically it's possible, but the reality is it's not yeah. really. Not it's not. Much. It's not going to be in the level of concentration or contact time or all no, the other factors that are going to make that a reality that's actually worth worrying about um, i mean corrosion's the big thing with stainless but it's stainless steel it's designed to be non-corroding you know stainless steel sticks around for years and years and years and years and years and it doesn't react because as long as you buy a high enough grade stainless you shouldn't have any issues at all what what are you chuckling about owen <laughs> Brett Harmon's comment. Can we add arse crack to the bingos? There's been a full house this evening. It wasn't <laughs> mine either. It wasn't mine. I made sure my pants were pulled up. It was Tricky's crack that was hanging out. <laughs> I'm fairly certain mine Yeah, no, you, yours was first, yeah. though, and you, you were the first. Mine was mine. not. I made sure my top was pulled down. So fuck you. Uh, sorry. <laughs> Are you sure, Chris? Are you sure it didn't sneak out? Just over I mean, the top? if you want to have a look, I can quite happily whip my pants down. It's no, 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 down. no. That's no, fine. No, no, that's no. fine. We don't need. To, we don't need to force the issue. <laughs> no. Uh, Brett. Brett claims he's seen yours already. He's so, already seen yeah. my crack. He's seen my gut as well. I was cooking pizzas yeah. at the time. Lucky boy. <laughs> oh, mate, he's he's a very lucky man. Now, but, but is it an issue? It can be. But the conditions are probably not going to exist whilst you're brewing beer. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, God, he took screenshots for his collection. Oh, no. Oh, lovely. Oh, man. Oh, well. Fuck it. Whatever. Beautiful. What would the first Beautiful. person to see my ass crack? Um, yeah. So, come on then. Owen, let us know your brew day cleaning routine. Pre-brew, during brew. Why would you clean anything during the brew? And post-brew. You wrote these notes as well. Yeah, I did. I guess, like, yeah, so pre-brewing, 
is um I think it sort of depends how long it's been since I last brewed, but typically it might just get a rinse with a bit of water, or it may get a little bit of um of star sand, quick rinse with that. During the brew, generally with my system, there's quite a bit of stuff that I have to clean. During the brew, so the malt pipe, um, I have to dig that out. Uh, generally, I give that a quick scrub. And generally, the malt pipe, I tend to just use uh, a spray gun, you know, a, a hose tap spray gun and a brush um, just to, to lift the crud. I don't. I don't worry too much about how clean that is. As long as it's just clean to the eye, that's good enough for me. Um, and then after the brew, I've talked a bit about already. Um, I think I've run through that already, so I'm not going to cover it again. Yeah. I'm just going to. What's your pre brew? Sorry. <laughs> well, what's your pre brew, Tricky? Uh, I, I was going to say I'll just refer people to the video that I did on my uh, my channel for uh, most of Check that. Check out news brews. Uh, yeah, news brews. Um, but uh, as far as pre-brewing, which is probably the only thing that I didn't really uh, cover in that particular video, um, not a lot, to be honest. I don't really do any pre-brew sort of uh, prep or clean-up. Um, most of the time, I just leave stuff like FVs and that with a bit of star sand in them. So my my pre brew day prep is basically pick it up and shake it and let's go like that, that that's done uh and then pour it out before i you know pour other stuff into it so um obviously just like you know uh, it's just common sense shit isn't it it's like have a look at it if some you know creature has come along and taken a shit in your kettle maybe clean it out uh that's <laughs> what's this maybe <laughs> shit yeah <Badger. laughs> Yeah, if, that, if somebody has if thrown that, a dead badger, that badger before, before it died, went for a shit in your kettle and then crawled into the FE and died, <laughs> um, clean the badger poo out. That would be my top tip. Uh, do I, do I, not, I, do not brew away? on top of the badger shit. Uh, but if it's in the FE, just make sure you siphon out from underneath it and then everything will be fine. I, I, I tend to find the, the old badger <laughs> is a sneaky bastard. He tends to wait until you're asleep and then he comes and shits in your mouth. Ah, yeah. Badger mouth. I think we've all um, experienced that. Yeah, depending on the number of so, some Some people also know it as the poo monkey. The, the monkey that comes along and shits in your mouth when you're uh, asleep after a few too yeah. many beers. So the sneaky badger find... or poo monkey that crapped in your mouth. Yeah. Have, have you noticed Daniel Lynch is currently whinging in chat about he's been replaced by a web page? Yes, Andy, you've been replaced by a web page. It's unfortunate, <laughs> but you know, Andy, come on, join the chat. You've got you've got access to the uh, to the group. Get the uh, get your user your password and everything. Get yourself set up and get yourself in here, you Scottish wanker. Depends how pissed he is. No, he doesn't really. To be <laughs> Mondo fair, Mondo Bevis. He needs only join if he's really drunk. <laughs> Yeah, Come on, Andy, get your ass in. <laughs> get in. Right, we've covered we've covered safety. We have definitely we kind of did that beforehand. Nicely. Yeah. Be I think safe, it is people. a point that should be reinforced. Uh cleaning FVs. Um 
So we covered that slightly, didn't we, in terms of generally that's that's not a great deal different to the cleaning process of like your kettle and stuff. It's it's a bit of a sodium carbonate soak if it really needs it, and then a good a good star sand. Um, rinse before uh, before you put any beer in it. Um, some people I've seen use like bucket blasters and like clean in place yeah. type stuff, if that's the right terminology to be using. But um, whether that's like overkill, it's probably more laziness generally. <laughs> it's just like I want to flick people a who don't like sponges. That's what that is. Yeah, personally, my experience of having sort of explored that a little bit. Is it's actually more hassle than it's worth. It's it's less effort. I think with FVs, like if you get a, like a really sticky Krauser ring, you could put it in one of those bucket blasters for hours, and you're still going to have a Krausen ring on there. It's not going to get shifted unless you get in there and apply a bit of elbow grease, basically. So yeah, um, agreed. And I think uh, my experience is you can clean that up in like ten. Yeah, minutes. exactly. I think the YouTube um, stream has shit itself. Is it? Yeah, I don't know why. The audio is fine. I can still see you guys, but I think YouTube, the stream itself, is uh, a shit itself. That's all right. I can still see it. Yeah, it looks okay to me. Yeah, not all right to me. Not on my end. <laughs> and I'm the one streaming. Uh, no, oh, Andy's, well, Andy's just fine. said the, the feed is frozen, yeah. It's because Andy's joined. That's what it is. Andy, what have you done? Oh, other people are saying that theirs is fine. It, it it froze a bit for a little while, but oh well. Just hit hit the live button again. Never mind. Richard Brooks says. Anyway, yeah, anyway, uh, one one matter. one thing to sort of bring in here, I I think is um, people sort of transferring beers straight on top of like the yeast cake and basically re you know I guess effectively reusing the FE without doing any cleaning. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, I guess in theory, like if you've maintained you know good sanitation and keeping it sort of closed and not exposing it to potential infection all the way through that process it's okay but it's a bit of a risk isn't it i, I guess i think that you 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 got to you know you 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 opening the door a little bit to potential infection by doing that so i don't think you can really go through that process without it being open to um you know, air and bacteria and stuff floating in at some point during that process. I mean, do, do either of you ever do that? Uh, I've never done it. I've never done it myself I've, either. I've never done it. Um, it's maybe something I want to like experiment with, perhaps. But you, the brewing schedule has to require it, right? Yeah, you yeah, got exactly. to be on it, I, right? I, I to, mean, I've, to, I've never um, got to the point where I've. It kegged a beer and then literally been finishing a brew day and ready to transfer a beer straight into the FE. And for me, like unless you are ready to do that, literally the split second that you've emptied that, you know, that FV into the keg, any time between that and yeah, transfer is just danger for me. That's like alarm bells going off, you know, risky business. Loads of people do it. Don't yeah, get me wrong. Know. I mean, it's 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 perfectly yeah. possible to do that and not have any issues, but there's a risk factor involved. Is it, I mean, it, how? Yeah, I mean, like pitching work into such a massive amount of yeast. I mean, how likely is it that something else could 
could get a foothold. Yeah, I think that's probably, probably one of one of the upsides well. of it is that the yeast is going to just go fucking like mental instantly almost. Really? So really. yeah, there is very little time, and you're probably going to see the sort of alcohol level and the you know the pH and everything change to the point where it's really difficult for an infection to take hold anyway. So I guess that's definitely in your favour. But well, there's also the slight point that if you're transferring onto a yeast cake, there's going to be alcohol within the liquid of the yeast cake. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. Yeah. Just thinking out loud. You know, is, working uh, things out as I go along. But um, I don't do it. <laughs> Owen doesn't do it. Chris, do- well, Chris doesn't seem I mean, keen. Percy, like, I, I have quite a few times kegged a beer whilst I'm brewing. But I've never necessarily had a desire or need to make the same beer with the same yeast. I, I tell yeah, you who is point. going to be doing a shitload of that though from now on, and that's Graham Hughes, because of his family's absolute love of his um, the Pilsner. His Pilsner. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean he, the man's done two kegs worth of Pilsner in. What fifteen days? I think. Well, if it, if he can hit that onto a cake of pilsner yeast and have it done in like three days, that's like it'll be like <laughs> quids in, boys. Especially with his with his pressure <laughs> fermentation. Yeah, under pressure, he's going to be brewing every uh, every five days. But he? surely he's going to get to the point now where the fermenter is like eighty five percent full of yeast cake. <laughs> he's not going to be it's able to be put like, anything. That's a else good point, actually. There is a disadvantage there where you're eventually going to have more. Like just sediment and fucking. Yeah. It's going to be eighteen liters. Gunk in eighteen there. liters of yeast. Day two hundred and eighty-five <laughs> brew nineteen. I got half a liter of beer out of this brew. <laughs> I've had to buy a second sixty-liter fermenter. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, I mean, yeah, I can understand the pros and cons of it, and I can understand how it's gonna it's gonna be advantageous, especially if you've got a firmzilla or something like that. Um. It's going to be good for for kind of keeping everything churning along and improving your sanitation almost because of the alcohol within the yeast cake and the CO2 that's going to be liberated. You're going to end up with a very sterile environment to put stuff in. But, I mean, I'm like you guys. I have never felt the need to use the same yeast back to back. No. I guess you might, like, if you were using a fairly generic yeast, like, I don't know, a USA 5 or a... So if you're Andy, like then that, yeah. But yeah, well, I don't know. Like he was clearly doing a lager, a lager series for his YouTube channel, so it kind of made sense for him mm-hmm. in that in that regard. But um, what was I going to say? I saw a novel idea the other day, or a, a, an interesting point on this subject about using quake and saying actually, if you're going to repitch onto the yeast cake of quake. You actually are better off just dumping all the yeast, but not cleaning the FV. Yep. Because there will actually be enough in there, and the the reality is you actually would want to underpitch quite. Yeah, absolutely. So you can you you can dump the yeast, but there would be enough just sort of caked to the walls of the FV, and you know whatever else to to be sufficient to um. To complete fermentation. So well, I, I pitch that a was, teaspoon. That's an interesting point. I pitch a yeah. teaspoon of slurry, yeah. and that's more than enough for for mine to fire off and be, you know, active fermentation and crowding within eight hours. 
that's just immense stuff, isn't it's it? When you consider, crazy. when you consider, like if you're pitching, you know, a yeast starter's worth of yeast, how many billion cells that is, what? and then quite you're literally ah oh, teaspoon. Don't they recommend it's like um, if you do the maths on it, it works out something ridiculous like um, one teaspoon of slurry is something like a tenth of a pack. So if you get something from, let's say you're using Imperial, which is 200 billion, isn't it something like 20 billion cells they recommend you pitch? So you should be able to pitch one pack of Quike into, I worked it out, it's 500 litres, and you'd still get a healthy, active fermentation with stressed yeast and all the wonderful flavours that you get from it. Specifically with Voss, I did the calculations on. So let's say you're a brewery with an 800-litre fermenter. You don't have to pay a ridiculous amount of money. You just make a 2-litre starter of Voss from a single packet and pitch that into your fermenter and it'd go off like a rocket. That's what I worked it, it out would. to be. And, and it would certainly be a lot cheaper. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, like rather than like, oh, I have to use like a a, uh, a 250-gram block of USA. I mean, you're, you're starting to see a lot, of, uh, a lot of breweries kind of experimenting with the quite yeast and doing the odds like, you know, one-off like batch. But... Um, It'd be interesting to know if there's any commercial breweries that have moved to using it as like a house yeast for that reason. Because yeah. um, it, it, like, it, is that another nitro? In that sense, it would no, make. No, I'm covering the name because I don't want you guys to see it. It would make commercial uh, commercial sense. Holy I know. Holy shit! I know exactly what it is just from the color of that can and what you posted yeah, up. I on. know what it is too. Do you know what it's it is? N- it's NM, isn't it? I'll tell you what it is. It's fucking foamy. This it's a, is it's a lively beer, is what it is. It's a lively one. Oh dear, another. I guess. I guess not everything brewery. in Yorkshire is that great. Fuck off, yeah. you shandy drinking <laughs> southern wanker. Hey, full house. Hey, take it off. Hey, Abergan. <laughs> that's that's just strange. One thing we've not uh, actually mentioned, probably because Andy's not here, we haven't mentioned like the BJCP guidelines yet. Although we are, we have been cl- covering cleaning. Yeah, I mean, it didn't really so. sort of come into play, did it? To be fair, but it didn't. Sadly, I'm sure they probably have a guideline on it anyway. <sighs> so the beer I'm currently drinking is "Don't Mess with Yorkshire" by Northern Monk, because if it ain't Yorkshire. It's shit. Except for this beer. Told you, Luke. Which is overcarved. Told you. Maybe not that great. Apart from that particular beer. Are you telling me this beer's wank? I don't know yet. You're going to tell me, aren't you? Well, I mean, if you ever get to drink it... It's going to be an honest review. You're not going to, you know, battle your way through that three foot of fucking head on there and then tell us it's great just because it's from Yorkshire, are you? Surely you That's wouldn't ever do half that. The no, I would never do that. <laughs> oh dear, this is—it's um, not dark enough to be a bitter. 
it's good. Too much carbonation to be a bit. It, it, it looks. It looks color wise. It looks okay from here. Is that not it's way too light to be a bit? Hold hold it up to the out. camera. Yeah, it's looking. Oh, a little, yeah, a it's, it's quite light actually. To be fair, it was just looking. It was looking a bit more amber against your hoodie there. Fucking eight times too much carbonation. Tricky, I think you um you need to drink a double digit ABV beer and start swearing. Do I? Should I go and get one now? Or I would. Yeah. yeah. Although that said, you've been drinking all all oh. afternoon, so I've been. Uh... Maybe that counts. <laughs> There's some. Uh... There's some good uh, good comments oh, coming up in the chat. Right there. Richard Brooks, <laughs> is it wank or is it wankingly good? At the moment, mate, the, the, the jury is out. I'm trying to get past the excessive carbonation that uh, Northern Wank have put into this. I've got to say, I'm enjoying a Yorkshire-themed beer backfiring on Chris here. This is a... Uh... I'm not. <laughs> this is cold. <laughs> uh... <laughs> it's poetic justice playing yeah. out. All those better than Cumface, we've actually got white shit dribbling down my chin again. Got got proper proper jizz face going on. <laughs> wow. That is not a family Yeah, family that's comment. that's a money shot. <laughs> it's eighteen plus this podcast. I always tick that box. Mm. Mm, Jay Fork's on the, in the house. Normally he's like right on it. Yeah, J Fog was he was slacking today. No, no, he's been in for about an hour. Has he? Yeah, yeah. He apparently he missed Good the times. notification on his phone. So, um, what are we going to do? Don't mess with Yorkshire. It's overcarbonated, Northern Monk. You should be fucking ashamed of yourselves. Um, what? I've got a beer. I'm going to be drinking. Um. Anyone know what that is? It's a vocation. It's a vocation beer. It's their imperial banoffee pie, banana and caramel stout. Uh, but I guess I'd better Don't. go and find that double digit beer that I need to drink so I can start swearing on, profusely. Don't make it happen. Should, really, make it happen because I'm bear with I'm me. One. Yeah, I was going to say now, now you've uh, up the ante with the impy. I'm feeling I'm, left I'm, out. Oh God. I might order another kebab. Oh, no, mate. Don't do it to yourself. It could have volcanic consequences. I'll be honest with you, and I don't mind sharing with the guys, because I know that everybody who's on here oh. pretty much loves food as well. For my oh. tea tonight, I had a cod stew with <clears throat> um, chorizo, or Chorizo, depending on which part of Spain you're from. And um, it had uh, kidney beans, onions, garlic. And then I did a sautéed spinach with onions and garlic to go with it. A little bit of soy sauce. And some homemade garlic bread using the Joshua Weissman method. If anybody who's, who's listening to this podcast is into cooking... Get on YouTube, get on Facebook, do a search for Joshua Weissman. He's yank, but he's really freaking cool. 
and he makes this garlic bread, which is essentially a ciabatta sliced down the middle, slathered with a garlic butter and a little bit of pecorino romano. And uh, essentially, it just forms the best garlic bread in the history of the world. And I cooked that for tea tonight, and oh my god. I've never been big into like fish casseroles. I don't think they work too well. This one was, oh my god, good. It was fantastic. I think chorizo and cod is like one of those. It's like citron mosaic, you know. It's it's like the beaver and ferret. It's made to be. This is shit, by the way. Yeah, I was going to say, it doesn't look great. It's overcarved. It's Northern Monk ought to perhaps keep it in the wheelhouse. They need to take persistently bitter. Pay me an extortionate amount of money for the recipe and put that into production. Get on Twitter, mate. I think they should. Yeah, just just let them know because that's for a for a, a brewery of their standing to be putting out a bitter, especially claiming on the can it's uh, you know as good as it should be. That's that's not good. That's not first off good looking. The colour's wrong. Secondly, the carbonation's wrong. Thirdly, the colour's wrong. And fourthly, the carbonation's wrong. And the flavour's just not right either. They've used a hop called Ernest. What happened to Fuggles and Firstgold? Or Fuggles and EKG? I mean, for God's sake, if you're going to produce a bitter and you want it to sell properly, go traditional. Go traditional. They're probably just trying to like be a little bit too clever. Yeah, but I mean, it's your... Honestly, if you if if you were running that brewery and you'd made a bitter and you'd canned it and you'd tried it, would you have put that out? No. Yeah. I wouldn't have good. put this out at all because the colour is wrong. Not good. That, that's a pale ale. That's not a freaking bitter. I mean, I don't want to rub it in, Chris, but, but this beer smells Hang on. insanely good. Hang on. I don't feel bad because I've got this. It's another lager that I can give, you know, 9.5 to. Because I've actually had two bottles of this, and I would have scored it a heavy 9.9. Wow. Um, Tick that off your, off your list, Luke. Also, I've got this for when shit properly gets real. Crack it open. Ditch, ditch the bitter. Crack open the vacation. Do you have any idea how close we are to that? Just make it happen. Make it happen right now. You know what? Anyway, I think I think we've got we've got two more minor points to make before we finish this podcast. We do, and Tricky's already gone. Because oh, Tricky's back, so Tricky can deal with that while I bin this shit. Yeah, because we've really deviated big time. We've started talking about cod and chorizo. Casserole and that cod and chorizo casserole was fucking amazing, mate. And garlic bread, um, deep cleaning, deep cleaning. Oh, are we? Are we still? Are we still talking about cleaning? I thought we were just getting into the. uh, Um, Chris, Chris has decided he's going to ditch his his bitter from Northern Monk. It was that bad. Yorkshire. If it's if it's from Yorkshire, it's shit. Yeah, unless you get chunked out again. 
Just remember that. Yeah. Remember that. No, it's, listeners. Yeah, it's Yorkshire. If it's from Yorkshire, it's shy. Oh, it goes. Uh, get the good stuff in. I think we got uh, to deep really. Deep cleaning. Deep cleaning, guys. So, um, beer stone. I guess the, beer what, stone what is, is beer stone? Issue? What is beer stone? I don't really know what it is. I think it's uh, it's calcium oxalate. I'm just going to give you that. Oxalate. Oxa, yeah. Calcium oxalate. It's something like that. Oxalate. Yeah, that's exact. That, that's what I said, wasn't it? Pretty sure it was. Uh, mixed with proteins that create something called beer stain, which tends to occur more frequently within your kettle. Uh, because it is, um, it's kind of a heat, something that occurs when you apply heat. Uh, it can, I think, after our sort of lengthy debate on the prep of this podcast, occur in FVs. There may be a little bit of carryover, um, but less likely, less common. Uh, but it's something that can potentially harbour some nasties. Something that's probably going to be unsightly. Something you might want to get rid of. Best ways to treat it, guys. I know there is... Um, I know Five Star do a product called BS Remover. Which I think is pretty good. Somebody needs to <laughs> give someone that Northern remover. Monk. <laughs> yeah. I think um, a fairly strong concentration of citric acid is uh, is pretty decent at removing it as well. I think it depends on how severe it is. I think my experience is Barkeeper's Friend is reasonably good at getting rid of it as well. Fuck me. Um, not yeah, tonight. Yeah, you're Chris. right. It's a long drive up to Wakefield. Okay. Bend me over, spank my ass and call me Shirley. Jesus. Yeah, not after that kebab last night. That's, oh, no, actually, no. No, that'll burn your belly. Don't do that. Um, yeah, my recommendations on beer stone is, is Barkeeper's Friend, which I use from time to time in my B80 to clean it up and get it nice and shiny. Um, what are you drinking, Tricky? Just a 10% MP. Hey. Hey. <laughs> Fuck shit, cunt, twat, arsehole, bastards. There we go. <laughs> It's tricky, <laughs> tricky MP Tourette's this, this comment. Tick oh, that shit. box. Tick that box, Luke. <laughs> it was a 10 percenter. Wild child. Double digit. Tick another box. Swearing induced chocolate MP style. Um, Squawk Brewing what? Company. I've never actually, I don't, where, where did this beer even come from? I just like went out to the, Squawk. went out to the garage and um, was hunting for a double digit beer because obviously I've been told I had to drink one. Um, and yeah, I found this. It's a squawk. We didn't, we didn't tell you. We didn't. You tell did. You it was that. peer ah! pressure. Peer pressure. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. But yeah, squawk. You ever has anyone else heard pressure. of Squawk Brewing Company? I don't even know who these people are. Or where? Where is this? From? That, sound, that sounds. Uh, that sounds like one of the beers you bought after sort of supporting your local bottle That's shop exactly what it was. That's exactly what it was. This was. <laughs> No, actually, no. I do. I, I, I do remember where this came from. This COVID. was a um, a lucky dip, uh, MP stout buy where it was like ten quid and you get two MPs or something. Uh, but it's out of the lucky dip box. The other one was a. Um, it sounds more like you just got a dip rather than a lucky yeah. dip. 
Well, no, actually, the beer tastes uh, really good, to be fair. Stand corrected. In fairness, the beer I'm drinking smells amazing, but is actually way too I've sweet. I've just never, never heard liking. of Squawk Brewery before. Um, yeah. I'm just going to put that up there because that's proper Yorkshire and that ain't shit. I just need to get that done. Keep banging that drum, mate. Keep banging that drum. Where did you go to university again, Trick? Uh, West Yorkshire. <laughs> yeah, fuck you. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, a lovely part of the country. I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed my time up there. Yorkshire. Yorkshire. It, 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 it remind me, rem, reminded me a little bit of the Surrey Hills, but slightly shitter. <laughs> well, that's quite what? I'm sorry. I'm sorry, dear sir, but unfortunately, I went to university in Guildford, and uh, no, the Surrey Hills do not compare. Eye <laughs> the beholder, guys. Eye the beholder. Oh, now we're talking about deep cleaning, stripping down taps, pumps. What do you guys deep clean from time to time? I mean, that's basically I... is my deep clean routine. Is getting to the point where I bother to take all the taps apart and strip them down and dig it, you know, how dig out that. Is, how often is um, that? Not that often, to be honest. I mean, I think it's uh, it's kind of like, if, if there's been an extended period where I haven't brewed, and I'm like, I know that this has been sitting, you know, particularly during like summer months as well, if it's been sat in the heat and it's not been like brewed with, because I think obviously with the kettles and stuff like that, when you know that it's had boiling work through it recently you can be fairly like confident as long as you've cleaned it out well that you're not going to get anything too bad building up but if it's been sat there for a number of uh weeks or months without being used that would definitely be a point where i'd do a deep clean and then just generally i think maybe every sort of few months i'd like to think that i do it every sort of three or four months it's probably longer than that in reality but like I think a sensible schedule would be every two or three months to do a sort of deep clean and strip down of your taps if you're brewing regularly. If you're not brewing between those sort of periods very much, I think maybe yeah. you should do that as a matter of course almost, to be fair. Well, what you've just said reminded me slightly of me uh, last weekend opening my Pro-Q smoker, which I hadn't actually used since probably ah, the, uh, September the, the greasy mould grill on the barbecue, I, I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was. Uh, it, it required a deep clean, <laughs> unfortunately. Uh, it was, was pretty pretty unpleasant. Yeah. Um, good. <laughs> You're on mute, yeah. Bill. He's on mute. He's actually ticked a box <laughs> accidentally. <laughs> At least it wasn't Owen. <laughs> you must, you've got to say, hear me now. Hear me now. Yeah, great. So, Graham, Graham is currently smashing a cheeseburger. As you can see, that's Graham. Uh, Brett's actually smashing a cheeseburger. Literally a and, cheeseburger. Um, yeah. Everybody... Oh, I did some smash burgers on the barbecue earlier. They were fucking banging. Owen, uh, in fact, Tricky missed all the comments about the uh, the cod casserole, didn't he? The fish casserole. Yeah, let's not talk about that again. It was good. It was good. If we're going to talk about casseroles again, I think we've got to finish the podcast yeah, I, and start. I mean, we're, 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 kind of, we're kind of getting to the end of the podcast. Let's wrap it up. <laughs>
the okay we so are, we just do, does anybody else hours. do their deep clean any more regularly than what i just said yeah. or are we just I, I actually do that? i do my um, deep clean once a month Wow, that's that's religious. No, I think I probably strip my keyser taps and everything maybe once every three or four months. Um, but in fairness, most of them are up and running most of the time. I did. I told you about me stripping down my three-way valves on my my B eighty the other <laughs> Annually. day, which I'm gonna yeah, which um yeah, on reflection, um, that upkeep is going to be more regular. Um. In reality, I haven't had an infection as a result. Actually, one one so, thing that I actually would like to ask you guys is, uh, like kegs, do you actually strip those down and do deep cleaning on them? Because I, what, <laughs> what's that? What, what's going on here? <laughs> I don't know. I, uh, Chris is getting. Is, is he that upset about upset about, about kegs being clean? Yeah, apparently, apparently. I've heard Chris doesn't clean his kegs. Yeah. I don't clean my kegs per se. So my <laughs> kegs, when they come off, I am aware that they're full of CO2. I'm aware that it is a sterile environment, so to speak, or a bacterial inhibiting environment. And so what I normally do is I just give them a quick rinse with a bit of, um, of carbonate. And then fill them up with see with the uh, star sand, and that's me done. Um, I don't go down because what I consider to be so. Kegs, so you do clean your kegs. Fuck as, off, as, uh, being anyone cunt. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> most people, when they're cleaning kegs, they'll go down the route of brushes. Luke, Luke you should have had Chris calling one of us a cunt on your bingo card as well. By the way, because that's <laughs> a standard. Um, I, I go down the route of essentially removing the detritus, so any additional yeast and stuff like that, basically just giving it a rinse. And then uh, I will, at that point, basically just fill it back up with um, with star sand, and I will purge that using the pressure from my fermentation, which puts CO2 back in there, which is essentially a, uh, a bacterial inhibitive environment. And at that point, I don't consider... Because I know people who've got, like, keg blasters who will sit them on the keg blaster and run fucking all sorts of chemicals through them for 20 minutes i don't see the need for that i'll be honest i don't think it's i don't think it's um required if you've got an infection in a keg then by all means go fucking nuclear well that, that, this is this is kind of stuff. what i'm what I'm <laughs> not just to wind you up but one of the reasons i asked that question is because i've never actually like Strip down the kegs and take oh, them apart God, for no. cleaning. No. no, because I do. I, I, actually, when I clean my kegs, seen the need I, to do it. I go. I on. do take. I do take the um, pickup tube out because it's a th- it's a twenty second job, isn't it? You just get like the ratchet, take the the um, the post off, pull the tube out. The thing is with the tube is that if you're just rinsing the keg it's quite hard to get up into that tube oh yeah but i'll, I'll, I'll tend to put a bit of pressure on it at some point and just like blast through and pour yeah. something out of it yeah fair do i tend to just take it out give it a blast with the hose put it back in yeah i mean it's, like, it's, it's two, two, two ways to do the same really. thing i guess but i mean i guess that's what i'm saying if you if you if you put it under pressure and just like clear through the 
the the posts and the the tube or whatever and shake it around with percarbonate or anything. I mean, I've not had any issues at all with that, and I've no, I've never, well, I've taken apart the kegs where they've had an issue, but that's mainly been for like leaks rather than cleaning wise. I don't think I've ever had any. Yeah. But then I, you know, I've never had I any think... blocks like poppets or anything like that on the keg posts or anything like that. So no, I, I don't no. Get... In fairness, you see a lot of you see a lot of people talking about like transfers and bouncer mm-hmm. filters and stuff like that. Like generally, obviously, with the fermenters we use, we're picking up from the yeah. top down. I've personally never had an issue with like a poppet blocking. It's it's always um, been on like the the actual um, <laughs> the firmzilla itself. Rather than <laughs> rather than the keg on the way, do you know what I mean? Like it will block the tube first before it even gets to the the keg yeah. for me. I think issue. my biggest my biggest concern with kegs and keg cleaning is going to be flavor carryover rather than yeah. um, like infection risk. You know, if you're putting in a beer that is more than three percent ABV, there's a very good chance the alcohol is going to sort of prevent any like likely infection but if you have had a stout like a flavored stout and then you're going to be putting in like a low abv pale ale you definitely don't want a flavor carryover from one beer to yeah, the other 100%. and it's just making sure that everything that is um reminiscent of the previous beer is out of it and and it's sanitized it's probably about as, as simple as that like, I don't even have to go crazy. You don't have to build keg cleaning stations. You don't have to use bucket blasters. Like there is a, you don't have to pour boiling water into a keg. That's really unnecessary. Like you can probably just give it a rinse with a a garden hose, and that's probably going to be good enough. I would yeah. recommend a garden hose. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean to be fair, some of the shit limits. Some of the shit that comes out of my garden hose, I wouldn't use that for cleaning anything. But um... no, I mean, oh, I, I use a garden hose for all my cleaning. That explains why your beers taste sour, Owen. <laughs> um, no, um, I just, I... in fairness, it's a dedicated. It's not actually a garden hose. It's yeah. a dedicated. And, and that's, yeah, I was going to say because the, you know, garden hose to... has a lot of algae in it. I find when it's in left, well, in the summer yeah, anyway. So. I I tend to just go down the route of the brewery method because it's very very rare that a brewery or a pub will strip their entire system down and replace all the tubing they tend to just use wine cleaner and i got like five liters of purple wine cleaner which i know is caustic and to be fair i just i fill a keg with purple wine cleaner i run it through all the lines i leave it for 25 minutes half an hour and then when i've got an you know i always have two kegs that are spare the second one will have like carbonate in it or, you know, Starsan or whatever, and I'll just run that through the lines. Neutralises the caustic, flushes out any shit that's in there. And it cleans the posts, it cleans the dip tube, it cleans all the bits and bobs all the way through the entire setup. I don't see the need to, to sort of strip everything down keg-wise. I, I change the line on a regular basis because I'm just a bit paranoid about the acidic effect of beer on those lines but i'll never i'll never properly sort of strip a keg down i don't fucking see the need for that shit i read um i read in like i think it might have been randy mosher's like tasting beer book that if you get like a slightly sort of goatee 
horsey kind of flavour to your beers, then that's that's sometimes an indicator that that it's your beer lines and your your sanitation through dispen- uh, dispense. Yeah, true. Make I mean, sense. I, I probably, you're probably going to get more than like, anyone else on earth, so I wouldn't be able to taste if, that. Um, if Brett is going to take, you know, holding a, a beer system, it would probably be in dirty lines, wouldn't it? I would imagine. But, I mean, you guys yeah. need to start using a Linda system, don't you, really? Let's face it. Corny <laughs> shit. I mean, we all know that that's a far superior system to anything else. So bin, bin all your kegs uh, immediately and go and buy yeah, a Linda. That's. A yeah, you're best forcing uh, a liquid out of a bag using uh, pressurized <laughs> air rather than um, rather than kegs. Who, where where, but, where did um, that? Who who was that telling us that that was the way to do things? Was that... I don't know. Stewie Prince was chatting to some bloke. That was oh yeah, it was on a Facebook thread, wasn't it? Better than kegs. Yeah. And how kegs always like end up. What a you know. Oh yeah, you you, you have to you have to drink a keg within three days, which was a, a a classic indication of somebody talking shit about things they don't understand. Which um, we all yeah. love. Educate yeah. yourselves. Educate yourselves. Um, right, I would propose that we finish their chaps because I think it's run its course. It has. I mean, we've got passivation on there, but I don't even know what that is. So. Uh... You don't need to do it. You don't fucking need to passivate anything. <laughs> for fuck's sake, people, do not passivate shit. Beer will do that for you. The brewing process will do that for you. Fuck off with passivation. Um, I think that's all that we need to say on that one. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I think, in fairness, um, you know, Chris hasn't really made a particularly strong case there, so I'll just follow up with the point that maybe passivation isn't as isn't as necessary as we perhaps think it is. <clears throat> there we go. Should we wrap up, guys? I love you all. I think we should. Yeah. Great episode. Um, cool. Right, let's sign off. Bye. Fuck you all. Adios. Take it easy, Bye, guys. people. Love you all. It's been a pleasure. Opedition, episode 25. A new record for the shortest podcast for the last 12. Uh, two hours and 15 minutes. Bye. In the bag. Bye. Bye.